Welcome, everybody, to the Break the Rules stream. I'm your host, Lev Polyakov at Lev Poe on Twitter. Giovanni Panicetti, Sultan of Swing, the original gangster, right I'm over here <laughs> with the beautiful feline. I might as well do felines. it too sweet. <laughs> with the beautiful felines. And uh, speaking of beautiful, we got default friend camera view for the very first time on Break the Rules. No, this it wasn't is Break the, the Rules I think first. The first time she came on, she had her camera. Wait, really? Oh, yeah. well, Usually what damn, I do is I'll, I'll, the... turn the, <laughs> I'll turn my camera on like halfway through for a minute and then I'll hide again. All right, you broke you broke the illusion, the Geo. Like, go back to the anime. Uh, <laughs> I, I want I wanted this to be special, and now you ruined it. Anyway, we got Steve Dean in the house. Uh, now the reason why I met Jules P. Hamilton is because of Steve Dean right here. I originally met uh, both both of them actually at this New York City get together uh, with these uh, kind of tech related uh, young people. Like Steve, what's the best way to describe the kind of crowd that you hang out in? Uh, the only unifying feature is that people, they're people who can have a four plus hour long conversation. So it's just a space where if you want to talk and have no obstructions to that conversation, then this is it. That sounds similar to BTR. By the way, speak up a little bit louder because you're right before the yellow. Anyway, we are speaking about dating today and about relationships. The two kind of go hand in hand together. And Steve, you are a dating and relationship coach and default friend. You are the host of After the Orgy podcast. Highly recommend everybody check it out. And uh, let's start with uh, Steve. When we're talking about dating today with all these uh, apps that we have, how do you see it as being different from, let's say, the traditional uh, drinking the milkshake dating that I have in that uh, thumbnail, uh, that picture, which I really like? But like, what are the biggest differences that you personally see? What are the pluses? What are the uh, minuses? But you know what? Actually, before that, I want to just give an intro to you. Just like tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, you are a digital nomad, if that uh, title still applies. And uh, yeah, just give a brief summary of who you are and uh, your thoughts on the dating scene. Sure. Um, so I've been thinking about dating for about 10 years straight, and I dove straight into it out of college and ended up being a nomad, but also a dating consultant pretty early on because I was traveling from city to city, recognizing that even as I found and looked for housing, uh, looked for work, looked for people to date, that all the people around me had the same three major concerns, which is like, where do I live? Uh, where do I work? And who do I date? Um, I started a startup trying to match people to jobs as my first thing, but then I realized that it's kind of very similar to matching people to one another. And most online dating apps try to emulate that process a little bit where you have like you're, you're vetting, like looking at profiles, you have your, and that's kind of like you're looking at people's resumes, essentially. Then you have this process of going back and forth, trying to see if there's a fit, if we have the same long, long and short-term objectives. Um, so if anyone's been through a recruiting process or hiring process, you know, it can be kind of agonizing. Uh, luckily for dating, it doesn't suck quite as much when you're in that vetting process. Uh, you can actually go on some pretty good dates in the process, meet some fun people, although you may have a few kind of crap dates along the way. And then at the end of the day, I think what I what keeps drawing me in is this idea that the technology is supposed to be helping us meet people faster and make the people that we meet be more relevant to us. And it, it's kind of 
both a blessing and a curse that our as our ads get more and more attuned to who we are and who we like, the dating apps don't necessarily do quite as good a job at putting right in front of us like the people who are most relevant in that time because they have a vested interest in us staying on the platform, swiping more, wasting more time. Um, Here's, by the way, so, this is from your side, date working, which dating app is right for you. So I'm not sure if these are all of the apps that are out there, but this is quite a big list. <laughs> these are not by any stretch of the imagination, all of them. There's over 2000 out there and a large majority are pure scams. So you got to watch out for those. If you've heard of it, chances are it's a little bit safer. Um, the ones I put up there are the ones that I would most frequently either recommend or come across. And I think the main thing to remember is that dating ex it's dating apps are designed to expedite the process. So like rather than let's say you show up in a new city, you can go into one bar at a time, one date at a time, one meet cute at a time. Like that can take you weeks or months or years to ultimately meet even like a few dozen people. Whereas if you use dating apps, like you can show up you, before you even show up in the city, you can have already been matching with people from that city on the app ahead of time such that from day one, you can just show up on your date. Uh, I've literally gone into a new country and been on a date uh, within an hour. So like, it's kind of amazing that apps have made it that easy. Uh, but the challenge is that when it's so easy, a lot of people get a little bit lazy and don't try very hard. And then you end up with just a lot of misaligned expectations. So that's what kind of where the industry is now. It's trying to make it ever easier for people with limited attention to go and date. But the challenge is that when no one's giving you that much attention, every single interaction feels that much more superficial and boring. Well, now let's, and uh, thank you very much for that, let's move things to default friends' opinion of uh, the dating scene, of the dating apps, and in general, like, what are your thoughts on... Fam famous yeah. and infamous for shredding, what was that dating app? Oh, Bumble. Uh, Bumble. Yeah, I was on the tip of my tongue. I was gonna say mingle, but Bumble, yeah, you absolutely decimated them. So <laughs> total yeah, assault. I, I mean, look, I, it's it's hard to talk about dating because I feel like every individual sort of lives in a different reality, right? Like mm. the, the you know the situation for for dating for like me is probably different than it is for Lev and uh, Geo. You know, like everyone has their own. <laughs> I, you know, look, I'm not, I'm not trying to be mean here, uh, but I'm saying that it's our, true. Like, it's true. you know, but it's, it's, wait, 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 just, just so Steve understands Geo, if it's okay with you, like what exactly oh, yeah. uh, we're alluding to here. Well, we have a pretty broad spectrum on the show today of uh, people who have a lot of dating experience and people who have none or zero or close to zero. So I think that's it's very interesting in, in a lot of ways. But anyways, I, we interrupted you default. So what were you going on about? Well, it's, it's, it's just like, I feel like there's so much conflict partially because, um, you know, it's, it, you can't, you can't really generalize because the advice that someone gives me is going to be very different than the advice someone gives you. Um, and the advice someone gives me is going to be very different, uh, than the advice someone would give like bimbo Ubermensch, right? Like, you know, to name another pop, she's no longer on Twitter, but people know who she is. Right. So it's hard to, I, I think that's why there's a lot of fights because it's a very emotional, painful part of people's lives um, for the most part. And everyone has a different experience and where you live too uh, impacts that quite a bit too. But when it comes to the overall, and I guess it's difficult to put so many people in the box and say, 
this is the problem that's going on with this amount of people. But since this is something that I see tackled uh, many times, because we're always going to have people that figure out ways to thrive in whatever environment you put them into. But then you're going to have other people that may have been used to a different kind of way of life that are now thrust into this new world. So I'm curious, uh, Default Friend, if uh, you could talk a little bit about uh, that side of it, and then I'd love to hear from Steve. Yeah, I mean... I, I think a lot of people don't use apps correctly. I don't wholesale hate apps. I met my boyfriend on Hinge. Um, but also, like, I don't think either of us were, like, shopping. I think it was sort of like we're looking, you know, we swipe sparingly and, like, each each match is, like, we take very seriously. It's, like, um, I've, I found that, like, my dating app experience is, like, very similar to, like, when you go to a department store and you need to buy shoes, but you already know, like, you you need, like, sneakers and, like, it's the sneakers that fit and you can afford. And then like, you're at it, like you're not hanging out in the store. Um, it's not a perfect analogy. Right. Because like, I don't think, I also think people run into this problem of having like too specific of a type, but like, um, you know, I, I think people, I, I don't think anyone uses dating apps correctly. And I, I think that there's some people who aren't meant to use dating apps correctly. Like it's not easy for, for, um, for men, certainly. Like men are kind of forced to swipe right on everyone, and that's not really fair. Mm. Steve, what do you think about the men uh, forcing to swipe right on everyone? So there's this company that lets you upload your Tinder data in order to find out and like assess, you know, what are the probabilities of you having any success on here, given your location, your race, your gender, all those things. And one of the things that was really sad is that as of you know their latest calculation, I think men have. Men are left swipe, meaning they're rejected. Uh, if they're over 30, it's 99.9% .9 of the time. <laughs> and if they're under oh, 30, it's crap. It's um, I believe 99% even, maybe like 98.5% of the time. Um, and even like men who are doing the best on the on these platforms, they're still getting rejected over 60 to 70% of the time. So yes, the platforms in a way are severely stacked against your <laughs> likely success uh, if you're a male swiper. But um, I think one important thing to remember is that optimizing profiles is a thing that can happen. You know, like it's in the same way that like if you try to rank on Google, you're very likely to not be in the first several pages or several hundred pages. You'll just get left behind. But if you actually specialize and like really get good at the thing that you know you're good at or the thing that you want to show to the world, then you can actually begin to rank higher up on Google. And so in, in a similar way, it is possible on a dating app for virtually any person to find the right combination of like app and your photo or photos or videos that tell your story, a profile that captures, you know, what's meaningful about you and what you want, um, such that someone can see it and decide that you're worth it for them. It's perfectly it's fine. For if anyone though? I mean, it's perfectly fine if 99.9% .9 of people reject you if you're looking for one person, because what matters is that you get matched to that one person. And it is mm. ultimately the responsibility of the app to ensure through their algorithms and through their user growth that they help get that person on there. Um, so it is, at the end of the day, a matter of app choice and profile design, photo selection, messaging, date ideas. Like, it, There's a lot in the ultimate funnel that goes from like point A to point Z. But um, one of the things that I'm a little optimistic about is that you can do a lot to optimize the overall experience. But that doesn't mean that for the vast majority of people, they're not going to see misery most of the time.
but it just sounds like um like <laughs> pardon my cynicism but i think that it, the the language used to describe like when people um what what is that term that tinder uses for users that are like they pay money and they like are really into it what do they call those alpha users or something i, I don't know um but it seems like this very like gamified like tech bro lingo over something that is or rather maybe this is an idealized picture but something that should be like very um how shall i put it very like uh unique to the human experience that is being like quantified it's almost like playing a freemium game on your phone now it's like if you're really addicted to like certain metrics and it's very, it's very much like a, a meeting of different forces of like Silicon Valley, like California ideology, but also like, I would say the developments and things like psychotherapy and like the therapy industrial complexes. Like I know they use a lot of similar sort of tactics to keep you motivated into like quote unquote leveling up. Right. Like even like, like the term leveling up itself, just, denotes like a total like um homo economicus gamification mm. towards intimacy and relationships yeah, except when it's used for my name that's the only exception yeah <laughs> leveling up but uh no that's a oh good my point. god you and the puns lab my yeah, oh that's, my a, that's a good point that geo uh, brings <laughs> oh, up right now bro. i mean when it comes to there's this uh, chart i don't remember where i saw it but it has for example you know men and women rang to one to ten and it shows the uh, men that are at the level of like uh, five and six being totally ignored. Only like the eight, nine, tens are the ones that are not ignored. They're the ones that kind of get the most uh, women. And the question that's constantly being brought up is, and maybe it's brought up by people who, uh, you know, are not that successful when it comes to dating and relationships, but it's still being brought up, which is what is going to happen now that something has occurred that has never occurred before, if they're right that it hasn't occurred before, where now all of a sudden there's all of these men, uh, that's small amount, small amount of men that women think that they are going to be able to uh, have a relationship with, and then there's all the men in the bottom that get totally left out, like you were talking about before. Does this end up creating, and has it already created in a way, a kind of dystopia? I don't want to be too overly dramatic here, but as far as what is going to happen to the men who are without now, not just that, but relationships and marriage and kids and families and society, like all that could be stacked up on top of all of these problems we may be seeing right now, again, unless this is something that occurred, you know, way back when in a different way. So curious. Actually, let's start with Default Friend. Do you agree with that uh, notion? And then let's go to Steve. Uh I, yeah, I mean, especially part of the problem is like with dating, we usually hear from people in like, you know, in big coastal cities. And those are probably the places where people have the most acute problems. Um, like my friends in Florida have a very different experience, but it's still difficult. Um, I, I, so I think it's a mix. I think that it's true for a lot of a lot of young people, um, but it's not universally true. Um and that's why like geography really plays in. Uh, the thing, you know, part of the reason I think that my Floridian friends have a different uh, situation though is because even though they're using Tinder and Hinge and whatever, 
um, they're still operating like very small towns where they might not, they don't obviously like literally know everyone, but there's like a familiarity that doesn't really exist in a more transitory place. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's, I'm more inclined to agree with it though, especially for the purposes of like universalized advice. And before uh, Steve, can you sum up, because I talked a mouthful right now, can you in a way sum up what you foresee as being the worst case scenario that's either already happening now or will happen in a uh, couple of years? That's for a uh, default friend. Um, I just, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's hard, it's hard for me to, to, to say, to say much about this, right? Uh, par just partially because like it's it really does feel so different for 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 everyone i mean i i i, I so i came on to this like i really agreed with sort of like the incel black pill but as i like move around the country my um my perspective has changed quite a bit so it's the different places in the country that give you hope that's interesting would you <laughs> say that there is something that they share in common, the places that give you hope versus the places that give you dread, existential dread? Um, I mean, like, there's no hope in, like, California. I mean, San Francisco specifically, probably L.A. is really difficult. New York, um, I would say, is probably really difficult. Um, it, I've noticed that the people I know who have the least problems dating are people who've stayed in the same, like, mid-sized city, suburb, or rural area most of their life or in that same basic area, which is why I think the Midwest is interesting um, because people like not, you know, not everyone's from Chicago, right. But a lot of people are from like Indianapolis and they moved to Chicago and it, it's, it's less extreme than like being from Arizona and moving to New York. Interesting. And uh, Steve, do you agree with a uh, default friend statement about California and New York? Are they doomed? Um. We'd have to qualify that because if you are, let's say like a straight male dating in California and you switch your location to New York, you might see a 20 fold rise in matches instantly. And so you go from feeling like there are no prospects, there's no one who you care, like maybe there's people you care about, but you match with no one to suddenly you getting, like you're not only matching with four or five, 10 times the number of people, but you're also getting messages, which is, you know, like the night and day experience that you can have simply by switching your location. And so I think it's kind of important as default friend noted that like location is a really salient factor for your likelihood of finding what you're looking for. And it also goes without saying that like, if you go to a, let's say you're into a certain set of specific kinks and you try to find them in a, like a town of a hundred thousand versus a city of 10 million, like it's such a different experience. And when you then use the power of dating app to laser in on people who share whether it be kinks or relationship paradigm preferences or just favorite kinds of date ideas. Like there's so many different ways you can align with someone that when you go to a place with a higher population density, it just makes it that much easier for the apps to do their work. Do you suggest uh, people align themselves based on their kinks? Like go. <laughs> uh, I don't recommend that as a, like, if you're looking for your forever partner, um, you have to make that decision for yourself, whether they need to share a specific kink or whether you can either forego it or find satisfaction elsewhere. If it's something that let's say only exists in 0.1% of the population. Um, so that you always have options there. Uh, I generally factor in, you know, like what you're actually looking for as like you're the end user. Cause some people are looking for a hookup tonight. Some people are looking for a marriage 
within the next 24 hours if possible because they wanted to have kids five years ago you know so it's there's just so much variation there that you know I'm, I'm a coach so i have to constantly think about not you know what is statistically probable and what is happening now but also what do you actually want here because i can't project any of my shit onto you it's it's really important to find out and and, and question it too you know if, if someone if what someone desires seems like directly out of line with what they're likely to find then i can then you know, we, we can go into troubleshooting mode and think about like if that is indeed the desire and that's a deal breaker, then do we have to get you to move? Do we have to change your location on the app? Um, are you willing to fly someone out here in order to date them? Uh, yeah, th there's a lot of variables that go into it. Uh, I have I do, a, oh, a question for you. And I'm sorry for like taking the reins so much love. I'll, I'll go back on- Take the reins <laughs> as much as you want. Uh, I, want I, wanna, I wanna bring the fire here, so go for it. I mean, like, what do you tell people who are like legit, like, especially young men who are probably like, you know, either too, uh, you know, downwardly mobile, let's say, or like just straight up like too ugly for apps, because I feel like that's a huge thing that like nobody wants oh, yeah. to face and say out loud, like some being ugly fucking sucks. It, it's hard for people. It's, you know, I, I get in trouble anytime I say this, but a, a lot of people are too ugly. <laughs> it really is painful. <laughs> I'm not saying <laughs> I get in trouble because like, I say it and people Brutal. are like, oh, you can't say that as a, a woman. And I'm like, well, like, what oh. the fuck, you know? There are, there are ugly women, but they do. I mean, I, I guess they could pull something. That's kind of, I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, I, don't, I don't think, I don't think but, every, you know, if, if you're like a disfigured woman, you're like missing at your nose or something's doing a car right. accident. Like you're, you're fucked. Well, you remember that, remember that Sopranos episode with the one leg that uh, lady. Oh, but that was an asset to Tony because he was talking about it was easier access. That was, he was like, yeah, it's easier access. Remember? Okay. I have well, a photographic memory of Sopranos quotes. I'm yes, sorry. Yes, you do. Steve, what, what do you think? Uh, the, the ugly question. I think that just, I, I've now looked at 500,000 or more dating profiles. And I think what stands out to me is that Ugliness isn't so much endemic to your DNA or to your skin texture, color, whatever. It's frequently tied to your entire presentation throughout a profile. And so you can be generically attractive, but put up terrible photos that don't show you in a flattering light. Or maybe they show you in a light you think is flattering, but to the average user, they see that and they're like, what on earth is this person trying? Why did they put up eight selfies in a row from the exact same angle? This makes them seem adult in some way. Um, or you can be extremely attractive and put up photos that someone took when you were like midway through eating a sandwich or doing something that just like made the, the viewer a little bit confused. So I think that your overall presentation is very important. And it's also fully possible to find people who don't care as much about looks. And so if you really think that looks are not your strongest suit and that you're going to be, be a little bit screwed over in a visual first medium, like modern dating apps, uh, there are dating apps that have allowed for you to not have the requirement of a profile picture. Some of them allow for them? a blurred photo, some like, allow for videos. So, so this, this goes to another point that I was gonna make earlier, which is that there's an overall struggle. There's like, there's, I wanna like situate us in like what's happening at, at a large scale um, in the dating industry, because for, I, I consult for founders pretty regularly and so, uh, what I hear from them is like, okay, I'm launching this app and I'm like, I have this niche that I wanted to appeal to. I wanted to help these people. And their goal is to essentially get users' attention, get them to sign up, get them to like do the thing, like go meet someone. 
But the challenge here is that the average user attention can be minimal. You know, they might give you five minutes a week on the app. And in those five minutes, you had to get them to upload several different photos that showcase a story of their lives and in a compelling way. You had to get them to potentially fill out paragraphs worth of profile information or answer up to a hundred or more profile questions. And you may not get that for weeks from a user. And another challenge is if you don't deliver for that user, they may just never open your app again. And so it's very likely that a, a dating app that just launched can lose 90% of the users it gained in the first month by the end of that first month, because attrition can be extremely high if you're not pulling people back in, which gets us into this attention game where so many dating apps now are motivated to hold your attention and keep it there in order to show to their investors, look, we have these engaged users, you should give us more money. Or uh, if, if users are sufficiently engaged, mm -hmm. maybe then they'll pay. Uh, so from the app maker perspective, it's a really difficult Effort, like the, the effort to succeed is extraordinarily difficult because you have to get people's attention, keep their attention, potentially when they're not receiving the reciprocal attention they wanted on your app in the first place. And potentially if the actual UX patterns that you've built in, like maybe they don't work very well. And so when you have a lot of users who are struggling with getting attention from other people because maybe they didn't put together the strongest profile, maybe their looks aren't putting them in whatever the top percentage of people who are gonna succeed on this app, uh, they need some extra help. They could use significant extra help when it comes to crafting their story and putting together a presentation. And sometimes the app itself just will fail them because if it's an app that, if, like, given what spread there is in terms of available dating apps, there's video first, there's some that let you send only audio messages. Um, there's some that force you to meet right up front without knowing anything about the person and then have you ask questions later. Um, some of them have profiles that are only live for an hour, so you can essentially like meet someone, go hook up, and then never have to hear from them again. Hmm. Um, then there's some that ask you 4,000 questions about who you are. So like, given how much variation there is, it's hard for users to even know, like, where do I go? Where do I fit? Uh, and I, uh, I don't mean to... Uh... Uh, bring this meme up specifically in relation to what you were talking about, but I think there, it's a there bit... is such a thing I will point out as voice physiognomy as well. That's mm. that is another, but, uh, thing but, in but in relation to this particular so it's uh, meme, like the here, audio message in relation to this meme, the idea is that while you are right, people can do all kinds of things to spruce themselves. Is that up. Ian Deary Dev on the other side, or is that another guy? I have no idea, but t people oh, can do man. all sorts of things, but at the end of the day, you're still going to have people out there who, let's say, are going to be average to low, and the question is, are we at the situation when it comes to, like, default friends said, in certain places, this is not the case, but in the cases of the uh, big competitive cities, that you're not really going to have people who maybe before would have been able to find somebody, and I'm not even talking about just uh, having a uh, you know a, a quick a quick porking. I'm talking about finding somebody to actually settle <laughs> settle down with and have kids and all that mm. all all that good stuff. I think that seems to be like Geo. You tell me because you are within what? this world much more as far as people who see uh, problems with where yes, society is going. <laughs> I frequent incel.me. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So can you um, break no. can you break down like what the frustrations are here? What do you mean? That's that's a frustrations a broad not just question. in her yeah, not just in terms of uh, dating apps because I think we have a good idea of the uh, app world right. right now, but more in the realm of dating to relationship to family pipeline. Oh. Has the pipeline has the pipeline been severed? 
you know, there's has no, there been? Yeah, there's no radicalization that way. I guess I don't know. Um, I don't know. What's that's such a? I, I couldn't possibly. The, the short answer, I guess, would be um, a variety of like cultural and socioeconomic reasons that, and just I think maybe the dating apps themselves has sort of done a particular job. And again, like this is old territory for default because she talks about this quite a bit, but they've done a job in sort of um, gearing people towards certain forms of interaction and almost in a way stigmatizing older forms of uh, actually like, you know, just go up and talk to her bro, I guess. I mean, that's, but deeper than that, I think that it's just the fundamental nature of like, modernity itself is geared towards certain outcomes and it's it's almost like we're seeing like a weird return of like a Pareto arrangement where like a few men at the top can have the pick of the litter but um the the vast majority particularly I notice of young men and some young women as well um they've sort of been left out of the equation for a variety of reasons like even just I know it's true that perhaps if you persist uh, sorry, my cat likes to claw at me sometimes. Um, if if you persist, but I s- still think that the looks backsing thing there at least is something there. Um, I I think that because apps are so visually orientated, that and because people are no longer situated within a particular community, uh, you have this very vicious like cycle of hacking like the human response to things like intimacy and connection and emotion into a way that is very like almost pornographic in nature but i mean like the broader sense of pornographic not just erotica i mean like the sort of gratuitousness of flicking like i don't know what is it swipe left or swipe swipe right whatever right like it's i don't even know that's how terribly out of touch (laughs) i am but you know what i mean that's uh yeah I know, Steve, what do you think? And the default friend as well. I guess for, for me, I frequently approach dating as though it's just a really large math equation. Um, it's a question of like, what's the likelihood when you meet someone, your probability that you're going to hit it off? And then how many people in a week are you even exposed to that you could meet? Um, how many people are you put into a context with where you'd be looking at each other in a way that might imply something more than the thing at hand. So like you can be on a work trip and you may find someone that you've had a thing for, for a while. And then you give each other the look midway through the work trip and you're like, Oh, okay. There's something here. Um, It could be something that happens in a library, in a cafe, in a, you know, walking down the street. There's, there's still plenty of opportunities to engage with people. And there's plenty of opportunities for our friends to refer us people to like bring them to a game night or bring them to dinner or show up at the same movie theater for something. There's like millions of ways we can still meet people. And I'm not yet convinced that those are gone from us. Although I do recognize that there has in recent years been a strong set of deterring factors against modern pickup and against just really, really terrible efforts at getting other people's attention. So like the anti-catcalling culture, I think it's great. I love that we are opposing the laziness of men. As a Mediterranean, I disagree to 100%. And that has nothing to do with dating, you know, like that. Well, I I mean, it's kind of, I don't know. 
if you're getting cat call constant sorry default go ahead i mean being anti-cat calling it does like this weird thing like it it removes it so it removes something that is like a nuisance that is more about like men bonding with each other than actually like if you there's a great sex in the city episode about this where like they cat uh they cat call like samantha or miranda or something and she turns oh, around like, contest to be like yeah i think I and she's that. like i will fuck you and they're like well, that's not why we're cat calling you like they're cat calling so they can bond right but when you say that these men can't do that it has like a weird effect where it's like now men think that like everything is harassment. So by removing catcalling, you also remove like, you know, nagging someone in a good natured way at a bar, which probably like in some cases would lead you to a relationship or just getting laid. So it's, I don't think that's, it's not actually good. It's, it's like very confused and, and, and weird. Steve, what do you think? Um, I disagree. I, I think that catcalling is directly harmful in virtually all scenarios. <laughs> it's, especially in North America. I, I think that south of the border where there's a slightly different culture, um, you will, it, it's, it's not overtly considered street harassment. Um, it can be considered part of the effort of making someone you know, hear that you have an interest in them. Um, but the challenge of doing that in at least contemporary American culture is that uh, there comes with so much of a threat of violence if the person being catcalled refuses the unwanted attention. Wait, 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 that, let me let me just, oh, sorry, did you finish your point? I'm sorry, cut you off. Uh, I, I just, yeah. I wanna make it very clear that tact still exists in our species. We can still make, like you can walk into a room, read the room, understand who's talking to who, take five seconds to actually assess what's happening before you just blurt out the first thing in your mind just because someone you were attracted to walks by. I think like the modern, not even modern, the, the way that men tend to take up space is, uh, it, it needs to die. It needs to fully disappear. The way that they, like I, I've had someone, like if I walk behind a woman, men will look at her and cat call her not acknowledging, like, if I'm far enough behind, they'll be able to say, like, she becomes essentially untethered property. It's disgusting that men find it acceptable to just call out to her and make her feel uncomfortable uh, simply because they're lonely or bored or horny or trying to impress their friends. I don't care what the reason is. It's simply unacceptable. Well, no, I, I disagree with you that the Nor it's some North American. In fact, I would say that it's probably less likely that it carries any sort of serious implications in particularly like North American or maybe Scandinavian size. But if you go to like, for example, if you go to South America, Europe, especially certain parts of Europe, I mean, catcalling is quite vicious and quite frequent and quite invasive compared to even in American larger cities. Uh, I think that it comes from maybe like a romantic, like tourist picture of Italy in particular to say that the catcalling mm. is like this very, uh, I don't know. It's part of the experience sort of thing. But in terms of like male space, I mean, I don't know. I think that women as well have their own maybe more subtle ways of objectification, but it's not, of course, it's not as aggressive as right. like some uh, man that's going, that would catcall women. But I just, I don't know. I don't, uh, well, I don't see the epidemic the way it was maybe 15 or even 10 years ago. I think that a lot of men are afraid, like a de as default was saying, actually even afraid to look women in the eyes in the streets, you know, even like I notice myself, you instinctively like look down because the gaze is always like, you know, 
discouraged, but I, maybe that's my own perception being a, a product yeah, Steve, of the 2010s Steve, you, manosphere. I don't know. What do, what do you think of the male gaze? The Berger male mm -hmm. gaze. In terms of whether or not it should be you know, like deployed <laughs> as a tactic or... Sure, let's go from there, yeah. Uh, I think that at the human level, the basic building blocks of flirtation do involve eye contact and facial mirroring and a kindness, like a, you know, synchronicity of your vagal tone, a kindness and affect, like some, some measures that allow you to note that this person is not intending harm. Um, along with some biofeedback, biosensory feedback that you are enjoying your time in this person's presence, which is once again, why I think catcalling is ridiculous because it involves virtually none of those. Um, and so I, I think that we, we, we still have all the building blocks. Like they, they haven't left us. I think that the only thing that's happened is it's there's become a higher cost to doing things poorly. And that's made a lot of people very skittish about getting their start. Uh, so I, I guess what I see is just a need for wider scale education in the basics of human connection, because we're still really good at connecting at a species level. We can connect with virtually anyone we meet. If you put two people in a dark room, they'll probably begin talking, maybe even touching within a few minutes um, because humans have an instinct, they're wired for connection. And so, yeah, it's a lot of, a lot of the disconnection is a product of us spending either too much time behind a screen where we are forcibly, uh, I guess, de-dimensionalizing ourselves, like we exist in many dimensions. And yet when we're behind a screen, it's forcing us through not just the dimension of like going into back to two dimensions, but then it, it, it strips even more away when you lose your voice, you lose your eye contact, you lose, and like maybe in a live video call, you're a little better off. But you know, when you, when you're texting is you just lose. So that's like the, the lossiness of that communication channel is so intense uh, that I, I think, you know, dating apps are able to, make it a little bit better for us. And each time they try to add more dimensions, we typically fail. You know, if you own if you've ever tried to make your own video profile, but that is a it's a shit show. So it's not like adding more dimensions is always better. Sometimes the simplicity can be nice. You know, like a handwritten letter can be a really nice thing. It's a you know, it's a pretty pretty low on the dimensionality, but it, it, there's a lot to it. I want to go on a bit of a tangent from here, but first, uh, default friend. Any thoughts on the uh, the uh, catcalling, male gaze, all of this? Like, where do you where do you stand in relation to I, uh, what Steve talked about? I, I have a question for Steve. Um, in some place, like you know, and I'm just I'm just spitballing here, like Latin America, perhaps, where catcalling is more about like actually making a move on a woman. I'm, I'm and I'm just assuming based on what what you said. Um, as opposed to like a form of male bonding that gets like interpolated as um, coming on to a woman. Um, do women in those countries prefer more masculine men who might do something like catcalling or do they prefer more demure American men who are afraid to? I don't know that I can generalize in that regard because each time I talk to a person, they have their own set of preferences and experiences, positive and negative that go along. But in with general, it. like, are those men sexless in the same way American men seem to be? Oh God, no. <laughs> right, <laughs> you know, that's, that's a point I'm trying to make. Like, are Italian men, how many Italian incels are there? There's a in few Italy. though. There's... In Italy. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Italy is not like the cornucopia of like the, the lower Haginal line anymore. Okay, oh, can I even mention that on YouTube? Sicily. 
Yeah, well, maybe, but like the the huge Italian family, unfortunately, is becoming a thing of the past. I hate to say it, but well, mm. you know, so there could be Italian. In the- mm. <laughs> but I yeah. mean, there may there may be something there. I don't know, Steve. Like, what do you think of that? Like, I've heard from women who have either lived in or still live in Latin America, as well as women in the U.S. Some of them. Prefer, like they like the experience of being catcalled because uh, if it's done in an appropriate way, like if, if they're out with their friends and someone whistles at them and says like, nice dress, like they specify the thing that if it's not just like, oh, you, you, you appear to be a woman, therefore I'm catcalling you. Like that's the shit kind. That's not going to work. Um, but if you specify the thing that you like about someone, if they spent, you know, like 25 hours putting their thoughts into their wardrobe, into the dress they choose, and then someone says, wow, amazing dress. Like, that's not really a cat call. That's just a compliment. And no one is going to walk down the street and be like, wow, I'm having a terrible day now that someone complimented this dress that I put a lot of thought into wearing. I think there is that? To- but wouldn't you say that a lot of times uh, women, even if they're going out in what seems to be the dress of a slob, they still put attention towards their hair, towards their, you know, skin, eyelashes, whatever. Like it takes a long time for women to prepare to go out, even if it doesn't necessarily look like that from the beginning. So wouldn't you say that also adds maybe a little bit of a... Uh, realm of uh cat calling certain features that women have tried very hard to accentuate even if it may not appear if even if it may not be a beautiful red dress for instance i mean once again if you meet someone who has put a lot of effort into their appearance into making themselves a work a walking work of art then like you can still mention that to them and compliment them for the effort that they put into what they did and that still does not constitute cat calling someone like catcalling is what it is because it is the like lowest value form of human communication. It's terrible. It's only, it's one-sided communication of need. At no point were you reflecting on how this person might interpret it. At no point were you in, like thinking about what the hell they've been going through that day that led them to be on that street at that time. Uh, you, you don't know, you know, recent past experiences and of future experiences. You're just shoving your needs out into someone's face in a way that is not just obnoxious, but also potentially harmful. So and like certainly psychologically can be harmful. And so, but but where's the line? Have you ever cat yeah. called someone? Who, Who me? Yeah. No. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> <Do> you? <laughs> um, I I guess like working with the boys in construction, not like directly, but like you notice, we had a code word we called a chalk line. Like handing my chalk line, and then but it was just never like actually saying anything. It was just like, oh, look at that beautiful woman. But so, uh, is but it never about... like actively. Yeah. I've never not not, to, so. not towards the woman, but just more among yourself. You kind of see somebody and uh... yeah, no, never like actually saying anything. I would never. No, that's not mm. <laughs> that's not my style. Well, uh, why were you asking? Because Although I have I... I have been on cruise, my old man's work is the yeah. That's you know well. Uh, my one my one friend actually actually ended up dating a person he catcalled on the job site so if that makes i don't know so (laughs) by dating i mean one night stand but you know (laughs) same thing but go ahead yeah (laughs) no i mean i guess my question was like i'm not convinced that like catcalling is ever i mean it must be in some cases but i'm just not convinced that like when you you know 
comment on a, a woman you, like a woman walking by you call her sugar tits or something like you're not actually <laughs> trying to you're like you're not you don't think you're gonna uh, fuck that woman even you know that's it's just that's not that necessarily not true people. uh but so i'm not sure if you're familiar with um the work of spencer greenberg he did a small study on essentially asking people who've catcalled why they did it and then reiterating like no really why did you actually do this like what did you think would come of it and one of the most common responses was, I thought that this person would have sex. Like I wanted to have sex and I thought this person would have sex with me if I did this. And so it, it surprisingly, like I, I beg my species to be better than this and not have that be like what they, what they think is the logical conclusion that if you like in inject your mm. opinion into someone's face as they're walking by that suddenly they're gonna want you. But, but I think I'm like, it depends. Mm. I mean, this comes up even like on online spaces. Like, I know, oh my God, I can't believe we're talking about this again. But like when we talk about like the, the quote unquote e-girl thing, it's like at the end of the day, like there was this great thread that actually compelled me to make a video on my own YouTube channel, JanetProductions.com, uh, on YouTube.com, uh, where I'm for currently editing it, but it was about this thread by um, default. You, you follow her. What's her name? God something. You know what I'm talking about. She's actually tuning. I saw her. She left a comment. She is tuning into the stream right now. Going oh, Godward. Nice. I have a video. If she is tuning in, let me tell you, I rip you to fucking shred. No, I'm kidding. I actually, <laughs> I actually agree with this thread, but I use um, the French uh, estate painter um, Toulouse Lautrec as like mm. an example of what uh, she was talking about. But it was a great thread because like the replies were amazing. I mean, a lot of them were unfair because mm. they were like, you know, accusing her of, um, but, uh, oh, but, but back, uh, back to the uh, subject at hand well, here. No, it's the, pertaining yeah. to it. it okay, it's yeah. about like the, the sort of the male gaze as an optical, uh, sort of the phenomenological male gaze as interpolating a woman as a pure sex object, as opposed to, someone who is um of like a higher order of existence almost like she was inkling at a like spiritual reality something that like emerson talked about when it comes to like all love is ultimately the higher love of god right but when you're talking about it and what she was talking about in the sort of relationship between like e-girls and only fans and simps and there's what i pointed out is that there's some element of reciprocity there that I think is different nowadays than maybe a woman walking down the street, obviously. But even a woman walking down the street, there is still a number of maybe unconscious sort of like sexual cues there that we don't act upon them, but there's something within our lizard brains that, uh, if that makes sense. But at the same time, yeah, I understand like if some like burly construction worker comes up to you and, you know. To cause you sugar tits, yeah. I understand that's probably like not that uh, video with uh, Jan Janet Jackson. You remember Nasty? That was a good music video. Oh, yeah, but that yeah. uh, remember it had like those gross construction guys. Although some of them were <laughs> dancing, some of them were dancing ballet. Surprisingly, they were really good. But uh, anyway, when it comes to that differentiation between in South America versus here, I'm not exactly sure. But the tangent I kind of wanted to go on here was I see it being related to relationships too, because in general, Steve my feeling from people who are within the uh, New York uh, sphere is that, especially today, not just in terms of relationships, but in general, I think there is 
way more self-censorship going on. Not in terms of just like, I don't want to say something that's going to make me out to be an asshole, but even let's say politically speaking. I'm going to be afraid of speaking my mind. I'm going to have to toe a certain line on right thing versus wrong thing, uh, both for relationships as well as just work relationships. And uh, I wonder what exactly the uh, future is going to look like with uh, social media not really stopping anytime soon. How much do you believe people are self-censoring themselves today? And what do you think this is going to turn the relationships of the future into? Because it seems like people do go into their own bubbles and start to kind of lie to themselves and maintain a certain image of what exactly they're supposed to believe in. But I don't know. It could be wrong. I'm curious uh, what your thoughts are on this. Okay. So on one hand, I think public self-censorship is fantastic if that means that we will end catcalling, <laughs> you know, if, because it, it's once, I hate to bring it back to this, but like women, if you ask them, especially in New York, they start getting catcalled at age like eight, nine, 10, like this is disgusting shit and needs to end. So like there is a degree to which censorship is fantastic because it means you're thinking before you speak and thinking before you act. And in the same way that I would love to see a world where we, uh, go after people who are, for instance, doing the raping rather than being raped. Like we should not uh, be requiring that people prevent harm from happening to themselves at all times, because you know, in part, that's like what the state is there to help us with. Um, well, I don't know. So I mean, that's an old debate that goes back to like God, the old manosphere days. But I think like I get what you're saying. I sympathize, but at the same time, I think everyone has sort of a duty towards their own self-protection, I guess, like men and women, because like it goes back, like statistically, the most violent interactions tend to happen between men. Like you're more at risk as a man walking down the ghetto. And I mean, where is the ghetto in New York club nowadays? It's not a, uh, it's, it's so probably, gentrified other way. It's probably Brownsville and the, the uh, areas around Brownsville. I'd yeah, is, is Long Island still terrible? certain parts of it closer mm. to new york city it really yeah. depends on the location Be well no, actually bring... no no actually actually wow. all new york is pretty terrible right now i mean steve let's be honest <laughs> you, the crimes increased you had to put that there's in. homeless people everywhere it's not great it's not great what's going on oh. right now you really gotta watch it's it's like living in hard mode you know but no, you really but my gotta watch your back just to, like really quickly is just that i think maybe i mean everyone i think nowadays has has to have some awareness of their surroundings but at the same time i mean i don't know i mean it's kind of well i don't want again i don't want like this is just like no we, we've uh, we've, we've, we've been gone, talking about this for fucking yeah, years well, now you well know? we've gone we've gone through the cat calling uh right now what i do want to focus on i want to bring it back to like when you do end up going on a date and then being in a relationship with somebody that there is a degree of honesty. And again, my concern is that I think that people are lying to each other. I think they're lying to themselves because certain opinions just on, you know, whatever, let's say in New York, and I'm sure maybe like in the South somewhere, it's the, the reverse. But if we're specifically talking about New York, whatever would be, con I hate using the word woke, Steve. I'm sorry for using that word, but I don't really know how else to express it when it comes to certain opinions that you must have and you must abide by. Otherwise, you are kind of seen as a persona non grata among uh, certain circles in New York City. And I think that that does have a role to play in how relationships are formed. And 
what people end up, uh, you know, how people end up acting in those relationships, what they allow themselves to express to their significant other. So I'm curious if you can uh, talk a little bit about uh, that part of it. Cool. Yeah. So first, New York, I find to be the safest it's ever been. I want to just throw that out there. I've never seen so many happy faces throughout the streets, outdoor dining everywhere. I feel safe no matter where I am walking around the city. And well, I'm, gl I'm glad you're safe. Experience right now. I'm, I'm glad that's your experience right now. Lev, uh, maybe it's your inherent now. neuroticism that could be making you go. <laughs> I'm sorry, bro. I'm uh, sorry. In, so in inherent terms of like, Soviet trauma. <laughs> oh, inherent, yeah. They, every single stream inherited Soviet trauma. Oh. Um, Lev, don't you know that breadlines are nostalgic nowadays, Lev, and that it was community bonding in the breadlines? Anyways, go ahead. Yeah, sure. Sorry, Steve. Go ahead. So, in terms of whether you know people's capacities for entering into happy, healthy relationships are being harmed because they're no longer able to present themselves in a certain way that is honest and true to them, because they're afraid of what woke people might think or whether they're going to get uh, you know killed in the DMs. Um, I honestly don't think that's quite as big a deal as you may currently believe. Uh, it, it Precisely because when you're on these dating apps, the goal is to get you paired off with someone. You know, you're, the more you put out of who you are, what you're about, what you want, the easier it is to quickly find someone who is going to be someone who wants you for the things you represent, the things you stand for. And it's very good, in fact, to have the people who strongly dislike you and don't want you in their lives to be able to skip you because otherwise you're just wasting a lot of time in conversations that will eventually go pretty far south, if not immediately go pretty far south. So I just feel like in terms of living with integrity and transparency, it's better to put out as many of the deal breakers as you can up front because it makes it that much easier to ensure that you're going to find someone who sees what you put there and actually wants that. However, that's, that's the if, hope. Yeah. If, you're, I, I, yeah, go if ahead, you go spend ahead. a lot of your time um, intentionally trying to be iconoclastic or to espouse views that are going to be counter majoritarian, then it can be a little bit more difficult to put those in full form directly on your dating profile. Uh, in some cases, it may be the case that you might want to just use a different app in which it has a user base that's more likely to be geared toward the kind of beliefs that you have. And there has been a massive fragmentation in the dating market where there's lots of little apps that have, you know, if you want someone who only shares your views and beliefs on astrology, there are at least two to three different astrology only dating apps. For instance. We need a, we need a MAGA MILF dating app. I would go on that. That would be my anyway. that may exist. Honestly, <laughs> I wouldn't so. be surprised. It's going to probably show up in one of my feeds in the next couple of days now that it's been mentioned. <laughs> there is this great quote uh, this in the chat by the legendary Matt Forney. He's we were talking about um, young people meeting in public. Albania has a similar pro. I don't know why I find this funny. Albania has a similar problem, which is why young couples often have sex in Hoxka era bunkers. So Hoxka, he was the, the communist, uh, the leader of under Tito that like made a bunch of like bunkers that only like one or two people could go in. They weren't even practical, but like, imagine like they become like bombed out, like uh, party, um, like love ins for young people in Albania. That's hilarious. Wow, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I don't know, like default friend, uh, what is your opinion on this uh, self-censorship that I'm talking about here? Because while I would love for uh, what Steve's talking about to be the case mostly, I hope it is. 
my my thoughts are that it's probably the case that a lot of dudes are censoring themselves putting on a persona just because there's not going to be as many women who are going to agree with uh, certain ideas they may have. I don't know. I I mean, I definitely think there's a lot of self-censorship. I mean, like, so full disclosure, I don't have, like, a ton of dating experience. Um, I was, like, I was married most of my, my 20s, and then I, you know, I had a couple of short relationships, and now I'm in another very long relationship. But I think it was partially so easy for me um, because I'm not easily offended, um, at least with political <laughs> beliefs. I'm easily offended in, in other ways, as some of your listeners might know. But, um, like, and men were like, ah, oh, I finally, like, I can stop masking. Like, I don't think most men like any of this stuff, right? Like, they don't, they feel like they're, they can't be themselves. And like, when people tell me I can be myself around you, they don't mean like I'm, you know, I have special powers or I'm super special in any way, I think. I think it's just because like, they could be more masculine and I won't, you know, I won't be like up their ass about it. Someone said, I can't believe a guy would seek out an astrology dating app. I bet you would find some quality women on astrology dating apps. Yeah. Shout out to Michael Scotto, by the way. I I have a theory that you could red pill hippie girls. That it could be done. Because they already have this thing, this inherent uh, spiritual impulse. So I guess maybe that hmm. could, I don't know. Wait, I forget. Steve, do you know Michael Scotto or no? Yeah. What is my, I'm a Capricorn, yeah. by the way. To, so uh, Michael, Michael Scotto is actually a regular on BTR. He does these astrology uh, streams and he's great. Everybody loves Michael. He's in Egypt right now, as a matter of fact. But anyway, oh, yeah. yeah. But getting back to the uh, subject at hand here. So default friend, you think that uh, guys do end up having to self-censor themselves a lot more uh, today. And uh, I just want to make sure I'm not mincing your words here. In general, you do believe that there's a lot more of that going on. Totally. And I, I think like, it, it, like there's a that TikTok that went viral and it turned into like a meme format of like asking men their most controversial opinion and then like women would sort of like roll their eyes and be like oh men are trash and like their most controversial opinions like in one video it was like every every guy was saying something just like absurd about like race mixing or whatever and sure like <laughs> I, I mean sure right you knew but, that like, was gonna happen <laughs> but like the, but in the in the in the videos that came from it people's like controversial opinions were like very tame and they were still getting like hate for it. Um, And, you know, it's just, it's, I I feel like people, they're they're being punished partially because it's like a social bit, right? To punish people for like very regular opinions. Hmm. And uh, Steve, do you uh, agree or disagree then? Because you say that you don't think it's happening as much. So I think, it's important to qualify that when you're taking your entire life and everything you care about and who you want to be with and build a life with and all your political views, all your social views, and you try to get that down to 450 characters for the average dating app, yes, you're self-censoring 99.9999% of your existence. And so... Well, if you're just, just so we're clear here, I just want to make sure, Steve, that we understand each other. The way that I see this conversation going right now, not so much on the dating apps, I want to open it up a little bit more towards relationships in general. Okay, so that, that's that's helpful because yeah, dating apps are yeah. an annoying intermediary between us and the relationships we ultimately seek. Um, when it comes to 
the dynamics within relationships, I think that I, I look at it as this massive multivariate matrix and we're constantly juggling different variables. And so sexual attraction can frequently uh, start off pretty strong. Sometimes it grows in the first couple weeks, months or years, and then it can very frequently wane, sometimes very quickly and abruptly, sometimes based on uh, biochemistry, sometimes based on distance, sometimes based on competing alternatives. And that's just for one dimension of compatibility, which is your you know, sexual chemistry. Um, when we then factor in whether you share um, you know, sound judgment around your financial planning, whether you believe in XYZ values, name any kind of values, those can all uh, be on the chopping block for uh, what kind of things will make or break a relationship. But then there's also, you know, where are you, where, where is your life taking you? Is one of you going to end up abroad somewhere and then it's going to be a long distance thing. It's going to cause a lot of strain. What are your love languages? So like, how do you actually communicate care and affection to this other person in your life or these other people, if there's multiple and at every single one of these stages, you can have friction and you can have misalignment. And ultimately, I, th I think it's the Gottman Institute that said you should on average strive to have like 20 positive interactions for every one negative. Uh, in order to keep the relationship health ever you know, stable and growing. And it can be really hard sometimes. And, and I think the self-censorship issue really crops up, at least from my understanding of like the way you're presenting it is as you're trying, like let's say you're aligned on you know, 70, 80, 90 different dimensions and everything seems great, but there's a couple dimensions where you're like, I have these views and these might actually, like, is, is this gonna be such a deal breaker that you're gonna throw out everything we've built on the grounds that I happen to be harboring or stewarding, we're just quietly considering this other view that maybe everyone doesn't agree with yet. Um, so yeah, I, I, I see that that can cause a lot of anxiety and consternation and I think what's important is maybe before directly expressing your view or pretending that it's something that you hold very strongly, you can first check in with um, society at large. <laughs> like what is the current, uh, is, is there a consensus? Uh, who are the people who share that consensus? Um, is this a thing where you already know your partner's opinion or thoughts? Uh, are there existing you know, ways of breaking this to your partner uh, that'll allow it to be more of an open-ended discussion? So they, and that's just on any one dimension. Like this, this can occur for any topic. It's not something that is, um, like it's, not, it's not a strictly political thing. This can be, you know, the, the same kind of potential self-censorship can come up if let's, like I've known people who have kinks that most people would probably find a little bit off-putting, disturbing, or just, overtly bad like they don't want that they want nothing to do with it and so like when do you bring that up do you bring it up first and foremost in the app you choose to go on do you bring it up like never in the relationship uh ditto for something like if you're bisexual and you have a heterosexual partner you have a heterosexual partner you're in a relationship that is presents as heterosexual like do you ever bring up your bi curiosity or your bisexuality is that a thing that you should be wearing on your sleeve as part of your identity up front uh, would that have compromised your relationship with a potentially heteronormative partner? Uh, like these are difficult questions to work through, but I don't know that this that the self censorship needs. I don't think it has a strictly political dimension. This is something that is just part of how we reveal ourselves to the people in our lives, whether it be our parents, our friends, our romantic partners, our coworkers and employers. 
uh, it's really difficult to make these decisions and it's never easy to know exactly how much to give. And I think that once again, tact really helps us out here. A little bit of tact and some hard earned wisdom. Uh, default friend, do you see things the uh, same way as far as uh, <laughs> politics? <laughs> politics is there, but not the biggest uh, part of uh, the reason why people are uh, self-censoring themselves. Or do you see it more as like this uh, successor ideology, as the words have been uh, uttered before, being something that does end up dominating a lot of people, especially on the coast, that does make it harder? Um, so like, look, like self-censorship happens in dating, obviously, like both within a relationship and you know at every stage for the obvious reasons they happen in friendships they, you know they, they they it just it happens because you want to ingratiate yourself to other people but i also think there's like a new set of social rules that make it more difficult and like more arcane and it's difficult to know what will trigger people um and i think a lot of people are like holding back you know like they they're afraid of offending people and that and it's it's all you know it's already hard um you're like, you're always going to like the, when people ask me for dating advice, which I, I like typically don't love to give, but like one thing that I always do say is like give people three dates because like, you know, date one, you're nervous, date two, you're nervous, date three, you're probably still nervous, but you're a little bit more comfortable. And like, that's the kind of self-censorship that I think is, a, you know, existent in all relationships. But the political thing is like an added, an added layer. I think like, there's a great point that's brought up by scum sucking slimer in the chat. By the way, Lev, uh, I can't believe it. Joel gave you the vote of confidence. If there's anyone to take dating advice from, it's Lev because he's probably like, oh god. Um, Wait, so, because he's probably what? I didn't read no, that one. You got to read it for yourself, bro. Probably the like one who's had sex on the panel with a woman. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Joel, I love you, bro. Um, and well, I don't know. <laughs> um, so, scum sucking slimer says. Human subjectivity and attraction, especially love, for fuck's sakes, is not reducible to a set of variables and an algorithm. I think, like, people are attracted to each other for a variety of, like, sub-rational or irrational reasons. I think mm. that even compatibility is something... Like, this came up the other day about someone was asking about um, your type. And I said that you can overcome your type because, to me that is largely a bricolage of unconscious, like grug brain, appetitive attractions to one particular facet. Sure. And I, I don't know, like, I mean, certainly it's important, but. Well, that's, that's a good know, question yeah. you're bringing up right now, actually, Gio. So when you're talking well, about the type over, thing, well, not type specifically, but overcoming a particular thing when it comes oh, yeah, to, yeah. yes. So kink, was mentioned earlier by Steve. I know that's everybody's favorite word. So there was a show back in the show. And if you're Canadian, you remember called kink, where it was mm. a bunch of like, uh, people in the prairies into uh, BDSM. This was oh, like nice. right after trailer park boys in the early 2000s. Now I'm not, now I don't want to specifically, uh, just talk about kink here. Cause I think kink is something that leads us into, I think what is the meat of the discussion, but a uh, default friend before we get to that meat, you do a podcast, like I said before, called After the Orgy. What does After the Orgy mean? Um, so it's it's not it's not so it's not actually about sex. It's a it's a it's a podcast that's like sort of broadly about like desire uh, in like literature and film. Um, we sort of focus on like millennial like media properties, um, but we you know we we're out of that. But After the Orgy is like at, you know after this time of like decadence, like once everything's sort of been exhausted. 
Well, when it comes to once everything has been exhausted, is this something that you see going on today when we had a lot of uh, party-like atmosphere back in the 80s, 90s, early 2000s? Do you see, what exactly do you see right now when it comes to, because again, bringing it back to kink, what role do you see kink and kind of like this commodification of kink playing in the way that people interact with each other? Yeah, you know, I, I just read an article about this for Unheard. Um, I feel, I, I feel like we're we've sort of, you know, exhausted our, um, exhausted ourselves with uh, with kink, and now like things that are not unusual are becoming eroticized because we've kind of just like blown our brains out with <laughs> all the erotic yeah. content, you know. Um, and so, I mean, yeah, I, I, I think like we've become really desensitized to it. Like what made kink enjoyable for a lot of people was this like taboo nature of it and none of it's taboo anymore. And I am sympathetic to the argument that like removing that taboo um, creates easier access. But I think like some things are better kept as subculture or, or counterculture um, and not, uh, not made so available. The barriers eventually left a little bit high and the, the, the stakes being high and there being a cost associated to it is, I think, what adds to the fun. And, you know, I think people people miss that. Mm. Steve, do you kind of see that as well going on? Um, it's hard to say. I, I think that kink has been something that I feel people have been, they've been given so much more access to uh, at an earlier age. Like, I know I, I got the internet when I was 10. So that was like maybe my age or privilege showing, but like that was my first foray into being able to like navigate and see what else is out there in the world. And by, you know, like 10 or 11, I'm already seeing certain kinks, you know, events in pop-ups and in uh, various websites. So I think that I'm personally like grateful that people can have sex modeled for them and things that are adjacent to sex modeled for them in a variety of ways and that they can also find communities of others who share a desire to practice in that way. I think that like, I don't necessarily want to go in the direction of commenting on whether like porn has gone too far in terms of its either availability prevalence or um, how it's become more isolated to the individual in the form of like an OnlyFans kind of thing. But I do generally support people having more outlets to find community around the things that they care about that they want to learn more about um and so there's you know there are kink parties you can still find in various cities there's gatherings there's munches and so the, the social fabric behind the kink ecosystem is still in part there although it's been like i guess economic forces have been attempting to shred it by virtue of taking away the payment processing behind all of these different kink apps and websites that's been a hugely difficult problem um but for the average person, I just think kink has been more accessible to them. I don't think it's overly, overly accessible because it's ultimately you who chooses to access it. And what's more important is just that you can find the thing you're looking for practiced in a way that gives you hope that you can do it yourself or uh, entertainment that you see someone else enjoying themselves. Ultimately, that it's enjoyable. Well, whether it's enjoyable, that's the big question, because is it the case or not the case that today millennials and zoomers as well are having far less sex not just because of the uh, backstreet boys world tour but even before that there was a downwards trend when it came to actually meeting up and having sex i could be reading the wrong statistics here so uh let me know 
Um, so the, st the statistics are like a little bit misleading. I mean, this is part of the problem, right? Like all of this research um, isn't, you know, doesn't do a good job of describing what's going on. Um, I've seen in very interesting counter that I'm sympathetic to um, counter arguments. That's like people are having less sex, but perhaps higher quality sex. Um, they also, the, the news articles written about these statistics also miss that it's not just millennials and Zoomers who are having less sex, but actually part of the reason it's so low is because middle-aged and elderly people are having less sex as well, which I think is, it points to maybe something environmental. Mm. Mm. Like the, uh, what is that thing that's supposed to turn the frogs uh, gay? What is that? Uh, atrazine. Atrazine, yeah. yes. So, I mean, that that is another thing they, here. They don't turn gay, like, they turn her... Yeah, like they yeah, her, hermaphro hermaphro yeah. They, yeah, they become her hermaphroditic, uh, so the male frogs become female. And that's another whole bag of worms uh, when it comes to what exactly is going on in terms of our sexual nature, even. Like, do you think that there is a lot of credence to the idea that a lot of these chemicals that we find in our water that people drink through the tap water that that is causing a change in terms of even like who we decide to pair up with so i know steve if you've done research when it comes to that or not so Why feel free to skip it if you, if you if you haven't not, not not even just having less sex but just in general just changing the mindset of a person because i imagine that if the water is polluted if the water's got all sorts of, like birth control well, and all sorts of things in there that is going to do something i don't know am i am i mistaken but here also like what be. is the development of well that's another question so yeah go ahead and see that okay <laughs> this is a fun <laughs> one um so I think that to what default friend said, I do think that the quality of sex that is available to people is going up as particularly dating apps make it easier for them to specify the kind of sex they want, the frequency of sex they want, the kind of people they want to have sex with. Like it gives you that level of choice. And so in one sense, it's easier to pass up going to the bar and hoping to see what you get and then you know, potentially leaving empty handed at closing time. We're getting extra desperate and then trying to see what comes after closing time. You know, like the bar scene is not necessarily the most effective, nor has it ever been the most effective way to find access to sex uh, for likely a majority of people. So dating apps have made it easier in a way that allows us to essentially say, I don't need to try to have sex Monday to Friday if I can just schedule sex for Saturday via someone I met on a dating app. Like that's a pretty straightforward thing that you can do, or you can at least schedule a date. Um, so I think in one sense, less sex is not a bad thing. It's simply a recognition that we're more efficient when we do desire it. Um, however, I'll also say that there are a lot of people who are recognizing that like sexuality is not their core or only dimension and that there are other dimensions of ourselves that we're putting forth. So we now have a potential profile on dozens of different sites that capture different elements of us, the things we're working toward, the projects we're working on, the people we associate with the causes we support, like all of these different things capture dimensions of us that are now publicly available in such a way that it's almost like we're more interesting to one another because we can capture so many facets of ourselves across all these digital fora. Uh, so when you're not, when you're seeing someone, you're not just thinking like, oh, they're attractive. I'm attracted to them. Like I could have sex with that person. You're thinking like, huh, I wonder where they work. I wonder what are the things they're up to. I wonder what their values are. Like it gives you, like we have more access to these things. And so we're not thinking about sex as the first thing. And I think there has been, and this goes not into censorship per se, per se, but I think that there is increasingly a trend toward not thinking so much about sex straight away, or at least if you are going to do that, there's now a forum for you to do it. There's an app for that, as opposed to having to thrust that upon every person you meet just because you happen to be horny.
Do you think that people have more, and this is going to be a super broad. Oh, and by the way, before that though, businessinsider.com. I'm not just wearing a foil hat. Birth control pills could add 10 million doses of hormones to our water. There you go. There's the article. It's a legit website. So I was right. Anyway, uh, it's more than that, Lev. I mean, it it is chemical. We are under chemical assault, but we are also under a cultural assault against certain form. Never mind, but you get the no, 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 this is a, I mean, it's I think, the seed oils the... as well. It's, it's just the yeah. sort of, I mean, I wanted to ask like where finish your point, but just in general, like the research on like where kink comes from or develops why certain paraphilias arise. That could be a, an interesting question as well. If it relate, but anyways, go ahead, love. No, I think that our two points can do the fusion dance and combine into one here. If you're, are you a Dragon Ball Z fan, Steve? Growing up, because we're we're around the same uh, same period, right? Uh, I've done Dragon Ball Z memes without ever being a fan, so I feel like I'm a total imposter and can't speak. Ah, okay, that's fine. That's fine. I, I, oh, speaking of which, Lev, I I watched that anime film. My best friend, want we watched it together. He watched it like four times. The what's it called? Um. What's your your name? I think it's called. I don't think I've seen Kuno that Kai. one. It's the one no. where like they're. I'm not going to spoil it, but it's like where they're connected by like they go into each other's bodies through time. You well, you'd love it. It's like a romance thing. That may be something that'll happen in the yeah. future. But then focusing on the future, my question uh, for you, Steve, and, and for everybody here as well, is. Do you think that today, in general, like we're talking not just sex, not just relationships, but in general, do you think that people are more, I wouldn't even use the word happy, I'd use the word satisfied. Are people more sad? And let's just get rid of 2020. Okay, let's throw 2020 aside. 2020 doesn't exist, okay? Just the trajectory that we've been going in general. Do you think that people have become more satisfied or do you think people have become, and again, the super broad brush, obviously there's a lot of room for, you know, different uh, differences here, you know, but broad brush, do you think that the majority of people in, let's say, the first world in the United States, just to keep it, keep it close, are more satisfied or less satisfied with what they're getting out of life? Am I meant to tie in capitalism here? go for it i feel go like i mean that, that that adds this like oppressive umbrella on top of anything i want to say because if you are working 80 hours a week and still barely able to make rent wherever you live then like you're not going to be as happy as someone who has the wherewithal to not have to spend 80 hours of their week ensuring they don't die um so i think we just have less attention available uh at the same time uh, like less of attention available to us because of being overworked through capitalism. At the same time, we have more attentional leaks in the form of our devices, which are omnipresent, always on and always charging and can like connect us to potentially millions of different spaces. And so our attention is under a kind of like pervasive and sustained assault in the same way that our microbiome is under the same assault in America. Thanks to, uh, like Gio said, <laughs> a combination of weird oils that are being like you can go down any rabbit hole you want in that direction you're probably going to find lots of truth like almost more truth than conspiracy in terms of what's uh what's actively bombarding our bodies and our ecosystems. well even so, even like the history of things like birth control has 
come at a terrible cost. I mean, if you look at the early research they were doing in places like Puerto Rico, where like they were legit, like sterilizing women by the thousands, you know, I mean, that, that also is a very complicated and like, I, I know I'm using the word like problematic history that, because bio, that like ultimately all biomedical science, especially when it comes to like those areas. But yeah, I mean, that's, you mentioned like people working 80 hours a week. I think like, if you true like if, if the problem is if you had like that mindset i think maybe younger people might eventually take the varge pill and like live wait in hold, a state. hold on context for steve who's varge, varge no god don't, yes. don't make me do it um oh what the fuck is my old man doing you know i'm on camera right jeez fuck um so the varge pill is like um living in a state of happy poverty where you're like if you truly wanted to have a wife and kids then you would you know what i mean like you would go out there but it's just i most people aren't willing to sort of do like a very nomadic like agrarian type of existence you know what i mean it's yeah. just well it does it, it does the bar, a lot like there's you. so much expectation to like even like the people I know that I grew up with, the only people that do manage to like get married and have children largely have very like um, av av advantageous mm. circumstances. But but then this is kind of where we get to the uh, meat. But I do want actually before the meat to uh, ask default friends, same thing, more satisfied, less satisfied uh, on on the whole depends on where, where you go in the United States. I, yeah. I mean, it, look, it, it depends. I think that, um, I don't even want to say like rich, attractive people have more satisfied lives. Um, I think for some people, like they're they're, it's the uh, great reset. Yeah. What that whole ad campaign is. Oh God, because this, oh, this yeah, goes so into this goes into the meat. I think of what we're talking about here. Because if the problem is, let's say, with capitalism, yeah, but I mean, then the what the al what the alternatives are being offered here. And this is kind of something that I've been noticing kind of creeping into the discussion as of late. So, Gio, t take it away. What about the Great Reset? Well, in Sorry, general, I was like, just distracted. My old man was trying to get my cat. Ah. And then, I don't know, because we have to keep them separated. Because, like, my one cat, Hildy, will fucking eat all of Gertrude's food. And so it's like we have to feed them separately. Mm. It's like, But we're just trying to get Gertrude more accustomed to, like, going outside a little bit. Because we like the indoor outdoor thing. Anyways, um, no, the Great Reset. I think I think like the the plan. I mean, it's like let's face it, it's a pipe dream by like rich people, and some people. I mean, that one guy we had on stream. Oh my god, what was his name? He said like it was just a fantasy. But the the sort of Great Reset when people refer to, they mean like the World Economic Forums, uh, what what they call the like fourth industrial revolution or post-industrial revolution where society will be restructured in a way that is essentially like live in the pod you're not gonna eat like meat is going to be like a treat um you're going to uh like work will become like an integrated life environment the way it is for certain like silicon valley people where there is no separation between like what is called work and what is called casual ordinary life so like the four-hour life will become the 12 hour not that I, I ever want to quote paul scholas ever again fucking guy blocked me but uh the, the four hour life will become like the your every day um and so like the great reset is like this very scary like um ultra like atomized like the the logical conclusion 
to like neoliberalism being like having a sort of um top-down like totalitarian state that will like social engineer us into these uh semi-androgynous soy beings i guess you could say i mean i'm like i'm being dramatic but it's more or less like a way to restructure human life um that is like going to like buck all of like the trends of like what any other like empire or grand civilization will be um it's i mean some of the shit that they say is quite you know quite like i like that like the one you pulled up there lev is like another yeah like you'll own nothing you'll be happy meaning like the gig economy and like the app and the renter ship economy will be like your ordinary existence like you won't actually like ever like the thing about like the single family home is another thing which people like they they're basically giving like a like blackrock corporate agenda this like woke paint job of like well the single family home is oppressive therefore everyone has to become like uh like like certain um parts of uh like like you'll you'll live in like these um you know silo homes or whatever right like it's hmm. yeah and I'm not saying that this is what I foresee happening. This, I would say, is the extreme example of what people have been bringing up. But, Steve, since you're more around, like, the, I'm not saying Silicon Valley, but the Silicon Valley-ish world around people who are much more within the tech sphere, uh, I am kind of curious if you see certain certain reflections of what Gio was talking about right now in related to the way people think we can live so i don't think it takes being in the tech sphere to have you know just had access to the bureau of labor and statistics where they say that there's 60 million people who are freelancers in the u.s mm. alone right now so that's 60 million people who don't have health care coming from an employer who don't have the comfort of no like being able to say like i can i can confidently tell you i have work next month next week um it's a layer of instability, instability that I think goes to your earlier question of like, do people feel better or worse than like two years ago? Um, I think they feel a lot worse because the current forces that make life a little bit more shit each day uh, haven't slowed. They've been accelerating and there are pushback movements. Like I've known a lot of people just in the past two years who've begun trying to move to a slightly more agrarian life, who've been cutting meat out of their diet, who've been trying to live more simply divest themselves from any kind of companies who are putting money into uh, causes that they don't believe in, um, divesting their own, uh, even their addiction. Like you can call it self-censorship. You can also call it optimizing and modernizing your addiction. So you can be more conducive to a life in which you get along with the people around you. Uh, so like there's, there's yeah, a lot but, of different, but, the, but don't you see default, the, the, what are you doing? Yeah. Don't worry about these people in the chat. Yeah. Oh, but there, but there <laughs> is, fuck. but there is some, at least to me, there oh, is some, what are you doing girl? Like just, there, oh. oh boy. Okay. Okay. There is some darkness here that I see though, Steve, cause if we're talking about, uh, the, uh, social diction or, can I ask a question though? Uh, right, like, right. Sorry, sure. Love, sorry, sorry, sorry. No, no. Okay. Okay. Real, real quick. In the social diction that people are going to have to follow, if the algorithm and all kinds of things that are thrown into the algorithm are going to make people act more and more like not just minding your P's and Q's in terms of not being a dick, but in general certain things that are considered healthy today and absolutely normal, uh, and I'd say even certain things that are considered beautiful will have to be considered ugly in the future and uh, vice versa. Mm. 
I think we're already seeing this in the realm of art, for example, and I think that this may be something that's going to affect people in a very guttural way if, again, the algorithm takes control. Because when you're outside, when you're like living in the kind of agrarian lifestyle that you're talking about here, I don't necessarily see that as being the case. I think what you're talking about may happen more from, as uh, Ted Kaczynski phrased it, over-socialization, when you're constantly having to be accountable to people who themselves are accountable to something higher. I'm not just talking about the CEO. The CEO is also accountable to this non- conspiracy uh, uh, drawn from idea. It's not like I'm imagining people sitting around, you know, the, uh, smoking the cigars in the room and thinking, ha ha ha, this is how we're going to control people. N no, not, not that bullshit. It's basically certain trends that happen that people align with, people align with from the very top. And then if you don't act a certain way, and again, the amount of choices that you're going to have there, I think, I'm concerned are going to become more and more limiting. And uh, like that is not the kind of society that I want to live in. But I don't know if that's necessarily going to happen or not in terms of artificial intelligence. Like what exactly do you foresee happening there in terms of uh, what I just mentioned? So on one hand, I think that, that like taking screen time away from us can be one of the healthiest things we can do. Definitely. Because this fear of having your opinions instantly come back to haunt you or drive people away from you is one that's born of the Twitterverse where you can have an opinion one time, you know, six years ago, and suddenly that prevents you from getting a job six years from now, if you forgot to delete that one tweet or if it was kept in someone's record, someone screenshotted it, you know, 10 years ago. So when we're sharing our opinions online, the fact that we're now really coming to grips with being universally tracked uh, to an increasingly almost like desperately sensitive level to like the number of feet we've moved in the last hour, uh, our heart rate as we moved throughout our space. And, you know, like, I don't know, I, I'm in the same boat, like I'm wearing a watch, it's tracking my, my breathing. Uh, it's oh, paired man. up with the same system that's tracking my website. You know, like it's all part of this, what, like, this what would Socrates? What would Socrates think? Socrates was Socrates bemoaning the say, invention of damn writing. Fucking walk. No, just like yeah. leave your no, 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 even he would say that the nos, the divine breath, is yeah. robbed from us by this apparatus of. No, I, I, I actually agree um, because no, Socrates' whole thing was that he was bemoaning the invention of writing. Even if you think of something because like it writing, human memory. Yeah, exactly. So in that sense, my again to kind of like flesh out this meat of the discussion which does have to do with relationships is that when we become these creatures who are dependent on external technology in order to facilitate our relationships i even saw a post he made on facebook where you were talking about this ai system writing messages for the person because instead of hi the ai said no that's too boring you gotta you know how about this or that it's like at a certain point we become the wall e uh you know uh tubber people sitting in our chairs not being able to make any choice and at that point 
what good are we as individuals? What good are we as people when we can't do anything ourselves? When everything is going to be done for us, we're not going to be able to think. We're going to be worse than the animals. You know, we're not even going to have our instincts to guide us because now we're just going to be trapped in this panopticon. Like, that's something that I want to avoid. So is there any discussion that you're seeing among people that you're speaking with how to avoid that and how to just grow fruitful relationships and families and just just get out of this whole weirdness that we're in right now, man. Well, the challenge is that that weirdness varies on a country to country basis. Like there's some countries where Facebook is your entire internet and most people don't have access to an internet beyond what Facebook tells them is real. Um, and that, you know, that can just be ads coming from your dictator that's telling you what real is. So I think that the panopticon is already very real for a lot of people. And if you look to China, they already have, you know, in, in place the social credit score where you, know, you can not smile for a day and suddenly you might not be able to board a flight because <laughs> you were suddenly seen as less of a citizen because you weren't smiling consistently. Like, it, I'm terrified of that becoming the layer, like the level of technological intrusion into our day-to-day -day existence and into our day-to-day -day thoughts even. So I'm not, you know, I, I'm not excited about that kind of a future and I'm much more, there was a, a quote that was recently, I, I heard in a podcast that like, if I can't dance during your revolution, then I want no part of it. And so I think that humans at the individual level and collective level can really champion the things that they most want to see for their future and stand by that. So that's why I'm generally a fan of like kink and self-expression as a, like, if this is the future that you want to have, then keep doing the things you're doing. And if you want to um, identify a certain kind of relationship or paradigm that you're really excited about, then at least now we have the ability that you can put a graphic of it in a dating profile and mm. say like, hey, this is exactly what I want. Who wants this? And then you can have 10,000 people see your profile and one of them might be like, well, shit, that's what I wanted. This is great. Um, well, but yes, well, I agree. We've lost I mean, the ability to just walk outside. Like if I go to a new country without a phone in my hand and I have to like, and it's time for me to just like flirt with someone, it's going to be really difficult because a lot of, we, like we have been socialized in a certain way, like out of um, directly coming on to people or, I, I, and I think that's a good thing. Like, honestly, I, I think I'd be more creative and more effective if I wanted to date someone in a new city based on not being aggressively masculine. I don't know that that's the best thing, the, the best approach. I would typically... But but the interesting question to me is how many new cities are going to be in the future? Because if technology is going to kind of systematize everything, you're going to expect the same experience when you go to Tokyo, when you go to London. And I'm not saying that's the case right now. There may be certain signs, I don't know, maybe architecturally speaking, but there are cer certain conveniences which we do have in all the cities. I don't think that's a bad thing at all. But my concern is that in a way, we may, with this algorithm, start to have less choices and start to become a lot more like we can be like, I think we're going to be diverse when it comes to what we look like, but we're not going to be diverse when it comes to what we think. Because at the end of the day, like, I think like all the algorithms are just going to, even though there's a lot of options right now, I think that they may be starting to push people just into just the bare essentials, get rid of language. Now we're using emoticons, emojis to express ourselves, kind of like the Egyptian hieroglyphics. It just seems like there's kind of like a lowest common denominator standard that may take over, not, not because somebody's plotting it, but simply because we're going to be lazy. And there's an interesting um, 
there's an interesting video by Chad Haig, who we had on the show, who lives in India, by the way, uh, probably rides elephants and stuff, pretty interesting. But uh, he actually moved to India, Steve, because his, um, his college loans were too much. So he decided to just go to India, become an expat. I mean, you, you, you kind of get that. You're kind of going all over the world. But uh, anyway, he has a wonderful video called The Philosophy of Rudolf Steiner, The Incarnation of Araman. And uh, over here, uh, one of the things... Da, 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 okay. Uh, what provides the conditions for the incarnation of Araman except the same inventiveness on the physical plane which has assumed the status of a religious value or technological innovation. Despite politically correct euphemisms, isn't the real end result of all this technological development just a pseudo-environment in which people binge on materialistic excesses to the point of falling into a state of drowsiness, which is exactly the kind of state which Araman requires us to be in, that is a state particularly susceptible to domination and manipulation from an external force. Now, let's set aside the external force and the Araman and all that, just focusing on the drowsy area of it. Like I said before, we have too many things that can be done for us by external means, we're going to wither away from the inside and i know default friend you had a point that you wanted to bring up earlier and i stepped on your point like an elephant in the jungles of india so no it's go okay no i mean i was i was, I, I think i was just gonna say something similar to someone someone said it in the chat too that like but i guess like you're also alluding to this like um you know it's it's we're being sold like the illusion of free expression like with mm -hmm. respect to the kink point and i um, you know, I, I feel like Steve, maybe I've been like a little bit aggressive to you, uh, in this stream and I, I, you know, I'm just, I'm, it's good natured. I'm just, I'm being a little silly, a little so, goofy, so, but... some good natured ribbing. Yeah. Um, but Taking you know, the, I, the thing, you know, I don't have a problem with people expressing themselves in the way they want to express themselves. in. I, I take the kind of like unusual point though, that it was, um, it was more, to, to use a kind of a hokey word it was more like nourishing when you you had to like go to a subculture or a counterculture to express these desires um because what happens now is like when they're sold to you via digital publications or like as literal products or through apps um people who don't really resonate with that are trying things that they really shouldn't and it's it has a destabilizing effect and most people really should just lead like a pretty normy life um, and the problem with like everyone has access to everything is it, it creates the illusion that maybe maybe someone would be happier uh, being a little bit more creative than perhaps they're they're built to be. And it's a weird thing to express. But how does how does like kink arise to begin with? I mean, there's so many different causal mechanisms that go into like, I don't know how someone becomes a furry or something like I, I don't know. It's like. Well, no, the, the furry, the fur, no, I know the furry, no, Gio, oh, it's the furry pipeline, it, love, obviously it's no, no, no. The furry pipeline is like Rouge the Bat, Sally Acorn, you know, that's where it starts. Oh so my God. Sonic the Hedgehog is the furry oh, pipeline. No. Okay. Sonic even, Lev? Sonic even. Sonic How come you didn't turn out into one? Like that's. Who knows? But G G uh, hold on. Steve, <laughs> are you a Sonic fan? <laughs> I thought oh. you were going to go for uh, Crash Bandicoot if you're OG, but. Mm. Oh man, don't ask I don't know, him. Crash, <laughs> no, Crash no. was too... I don't know, I like Crash. In fact, it's very impressive what they were able to do with the PlayStation uh, hardware in terms of getting all those graphics in there at the time. You know, very, very good job. But, but anyways, uh, but, uh, yes. no, like the proliferation of it, I think like it's quite interesting um, 
like again another like sort of various like pathologies that the internet has enabled in a way i mean it, i the, the greatest i mean i know this is like a terrible disgusting example but have you ever watched the film the nickel the one of like the last like pretty decent although they say he's getting better one of the last decent nicholas cage films you ever watch eight millimeter love no you ever watch nope. it okay no. so it was, i, I want to see snake eyes he was a he that was all right but it was kind of boring snake eye um he was like a private detective um and he was this old um matron uh like this like not madam what's the name like the the wife of a rich person but like old money what's the proper term uh she discovered the snuff film in her husband's collection and so she wanted to get Nicolas Cage, who was playing the detective, to um, like find it. And it was like, it was like in between like the first season of The Sopranos. So James Gandolfini, you know how he like stopped for a year to perfect that accent. He was in that film as like the sleazy porn um, recruiter, and uh, it was like really fascinating. But he went to this um, porno shop in California, and. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix was playing the attendant, right? The, you know, it was one of those like private theater things. And they had to like physically go to this like grimy, like illegal porn store underground that was run by some cartel. And, and there was this one line of dialogue from Joaquin Phoenix's character where he said like, you know, all this is going away, man. The internet's coming in and now everything's going to be on the internet. And this was made in 1999. And I'm thinking of that. I'm thinking like the barrier, like what Default was saying. And of course, and this came up, I think, in their more recent after the Orgy podcast, where it's like the barriers to entry to like be a part of, I mean, could you call it a community? Maybe is like it was so high back in the day. But it's just like nowadays, I mean, it's it's become almost banal in a way. Like you go on, what's that one site, Fet Life? Like it's, there's no like sort of dark mysticism towards any form of sexual or erotic expression. And it's like throughout human history, there was always sort of um, various taboos, not just to, in, about sexuality, but also around the sort of erotic um, ecstasies, both in the East and the West. And nowadays mm. it seems like it's such a foreign concept to us. Like I remember- So, like, so, so the taboo yeah. makes it stronger. And, that just uh, makes it stronger, but makes it more like nuanced and more. Um, it's like even just to contemplate any sort of barrier to entry nowadays mm. is almost unheard of. Like I remember, th there was this uh, pamphlet they give you when you buy books from Shambhala, and they had um, tantric books, but mm. you had to like submit your degree of like your particular <laughs> Buddhist practice wow. to, in order to even read them. And so people were saying like the thought of that is just so alien to us because information we truly believe in this like silicon like if California ideology like information shall proliferate throughout the world. But when you put barriers to that, it's like it's almost like a novelty, but not really. It's like I wonder if kink is the same way if you put up these like artificial barriers, it becomes this like sort of postmodern reversion. Like now, like through the back door of postmodernity, you can have like uh, some like super secret community, but it's like almost a LARP. It's like not authentic. It's not like the actual grimy porn store that you go to, mm. you know. It's uh, it's interesting that you bring it up and I want to bring this to uh, Steve. 
when it comes to there being barriers to entry, it seems maybe this is always the case, but it seems like especially now, there seems to be in the general schema of kink, pornography, uh, there are brighter colors. Like there's almost like Nick Jr., Dora the Explorer, pastel colors. Go. I'm not saying everywhere, but it just that seems to be the energy. You could see that in the artwork of like, uh, have you ever heard Flat Design? Mm -hmm. So like the humans of Flat, that was a great account on Twitter. It doesn't exist anymore, but uh, it just has, you know, like all the blob people with the small heads and the big appendages. So there seems to be something unsophisticated about the kind of uh, graphics that are deployed, the kind of colors that are deployed, almost like people are being treated as the lowest common denominator toddler. And I'm curious, have you noticed that pattern as well? Do you think this is reading too much into it? Do you think it may be a certain style that exists today and then it's going to change into something else? Or do you see that as being kind of like a trajectory in general of how we identify ourselves, where we seem to be less adults and more just stuck in this perpetual uh, uh, arrested development, if you will? Well, given that there are kink and fetish sites that run the gamut from like things that are still websites, you mentioned Pet Life Geo, like they still don't even have an app. They're still <laughs> fully a yeah. web portal. Uh, they look at too, like they look a solid 10 years old or more um, versus modern kink apps where they may or may not have fancier, more pastel y colors. I don't, I am not familiar with ones that have gone in that direction. Although if it's a product that's tied to kink, then it's just basically going for the click funnel approach of let's get you like hooked, let's get you engaged, let's show you what you need to know in order for you to make a purchase. Well, so that's just just, kind of just as a, as a quick as a quick aside, I'm not saying that this is for everybody. Obviously, there are people who do not color than their hair, but there would be in general people who have like the brightly colored on a pink, purple hair. Uh, that would be much more common within uh, circles like that. Again, I'm not saying everybody, but it just seems like there is a certain kind of like, I want to be going against the grain. I want to be the rebel. That seems to be the brand that's sold to people when a lot of these different uh, kink-related things are adopted. There may be others which are a little bit more, let's say, leathery, you know, a little bit more with laces, things like that. But <laughs> but in okay, general, so yeah. A little more Foucauldian love. Yeah. I believe it, last I checked, there's over a thousand kinks that you can choose from on FetLife. So yeah, you're going to find some that are leathery. You're going to find some that are colorful. You're going to find some that tie in with your tie-dye hair. Like it's, there's a kink for almost anything you can imagine because there's probably someone else who would like to do that thing in a sexual manner. It doesn't mean that it needs to be there for you. It doesn't mean that you need to ever feel any pressure to do it. And I think that the important thing to remember is that rather than like having to pee on your partner and the off chance they like it, you can instead go to a place where there are communities where you can actually see it either in video or in photo up front and be like, oh, so that's what that's all about. And then you'll see kink educators on TikTok and on Instagram saying like, okay, this is how you can talk through this kind of a dynamic with your partner or with someone you just met. Um, so we now have like way more educational resources available to us than ever before. We have way more diversity of both like the kinds of experiences, like you can go to public kink munches where you're actually able to meet people and talk about your preferences before actually having to put yourself in a risky scenario. 
And long before you even show up at that, you might just find yourself on a platform like FetLife or uh, any of the other kink apps. There's one, it's hard to say, there aren't that many kink apps realistically, because once again, it goes back to you know credit card processing. The terms of service make it so they usually can't accept money. And so they just fail because they can't make money. But uh, when it comes to, at the very least, FetLife and any other platform where you can, maybe Tumblr, like, you know, Tumblr pre-2019, uh, where you, you can share your, like, photos, videos of, like, what it is that you have well, as a kink. And it, it's actually really good that you mentioned Tumblr right now, Steve, because Default Friend, you talk about uh, Tumblr uh, quite a bit and how you see it leading oh, to uh, the paradigm by the that way, we're currently I, in. I just saw a tweet. Default friend, apparently you interviewed Thomas777 for your pod. Oh my God. I can't imagine a conversation between you and T777. My God, I can't wait for that one. <laughs> it was, I was startled. I know. I was like, wait a minute, what the fuck? We that's have to how, get him on desperately. Starts. I really want T seven seven on. That, I want to talk to him about death metal. But yeah, that so, so uh, default. You what did well, you well, say, love? Okay, so uh, de default friend. When it comes to uh, when it comes to Tumblr, I think Steve, you may have misconstrued what I was talking about in relation to the uh, diversity of uh, various kinks out there. There definitely are different kinds of styles that one can go for within the actual kink. But if we're talking about just I don't just like this, and I think it does relate to Tumblr. I don't know, like default friend, help me out here in a way. Like when it comes to a certain kind of, I am not going to be part of what is considered to be, you know, like family oriented or community or like I'm going to do the complete opposite. And that seems to be kind of just like this whole thing that yes, there's differentiations in there, but they all share something in common. Like default friend, do you know what I'm kind of go going yeah, for here? It's difficult to describe. Like I, I think it's it's that it's sort of been framed as this option for everyone and it's been very sterilized um, and like the stakes just aren't there anymore. And I, I understand the desire to like lower the stakes for a kink, right? Like it's, it, you know, on the one hand, I, it, it, I mean, it is great that there's like education on certain things available. Um, but on the other hand, I think like, again, it's, it goes back to that barrier of entry thing. I mean, with respect, it, it and it's it's just, it's become like another product you could like, pick off the shelf um, when it's shrouded in a community where there's like some sort of initiation ritual and you have to work to find the community and work to join it um, then it just it becomes too easy and people who shouldn't be exposed to it are and it's I, and I understand why but have like, we no moral shame nowadays default friend no I mean because it's it's just not seen, the, well, it's, it's not seen as any different than uh, you know like like buying lingerie or like buying you know a certain brand of a phone like it's all sort of we all sort of think about these things through the same uh lens i think and yeah sure people's disgust response like kicks in like you can't just like pee on your date right but like much you know it, it, <laughs> it, it, you know to to bring oh. up uh, steve's ex example but like you know on the on the other hand I, I think that more and more people are treating it like it's meaningless and it has no impact on you and you could you know be infinitely exposed to these experiences without any you know without any consequence and i don't think that's true what mm. what do you mean by not exposed to a consequence like what what do you see are some consequences um i, I you know i just don't think everyone first of all i think like some of these these sex acts are are you know probably like 
even if they're not like straightforwardly traumatizing, um, they have like an impact on, on people. Like they, they're not a good experience for people. And there's this sense of like needing to try everything and please, please everyone, especially when you get into like big cities and people and women are competing, um, for like a certain caliber of man. Of course, this is not every woman. This is not everyone going on a date. This is not everyone in the country, but it is something that's happening. I don't want to overly generalize. Um, but you know, I, I, you know, it has a, it has an, it has an effect on people. I don't think you could have like an infinite number of sexual partners. I don't think you could try an infinite number of things. Like they, these create bad memories and bad experiences and people act like that it, it should be okay to, to try anything that they want. Well, that I think uh, is the meat right there. Whether, you know, that old expression, do people have ideas or do ideas have people? What are we, let's say, like, who are you to say what A, B, and C should do? And I'm kind of of that opinion. Like, I never want to have any kind of system where somebody, you know, by force, you know, by fear of, like, death or exile or whatever, that they would force people not to do certain things. I believe that people should have the freedom to try different things out, while at the same time, I do believe that there should be some kind of structure to help people when they're the youngest figure things out, have good role models. But uh, Steve, like when it comes to what default Fred said, uh, default Fred, default friend said right now regarding uh, these potential uh, bad situations, do you see that as uh, being necessarily uh, the case or no? And by the way, after this, since I know that we're going to the two hour mark, we're going to be reading super chats and then uh, wrapping it up. Um, so I just don't understand why kink is a relevant zone to focus on here. It's like, there are things that kids are being exposed to that are way, way worse than kink will ever be. You know, like I grew up right in the middle of a war. And so I was able to watch beheadings live as a 12 year old. So on live, live yeah. leaks, you mean, or like I mean, actually. Why you, Steve, like, why does it have to be? <laughs> not not in person. Did you grow up in Eastern Europe, Europe in the 90s? <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't think that's that's fair because it, first of all, it's, it's part of the same paradigm that like, we're like desensitizing people to everything because everything's considered a like a piece of media that is like, yeah. you know, equal to be exposed to. Like, if you have a problem with like live leak, then you have a problem with Teen Vogue, you know, giving uh, ostensibly anal sex advice, exactly. Yeah. Or like how not to catch feelings after that anal sex. Like, you know, maybe, maybe you don't have a problem with that, but like you shouldn't develop feelings for the person who just like oh, that, your ass. That, that's the worst part, <laughs> not catching feelings. No, but I think like there was this thread that I did a video on Jenner Productions at YouTube.com um, where it was like that. It was terrible. I really went off that the one YouTuber saying like, you know, as millennials, we grew up with some terrible shit. New Zoomers, you want to censor things. And I, I think like the difference is like when you're an older millennial, as I think all of us are here, more or less. Um, and you like grow up and I don't know, your friend like shows you meat spin or racist <laughs> beheading videos. Go, or, go um, say, go yeah, say. Go see like the single, like single site shock. Right. I think that's different. Like it's traumatizing to a degree and like, you know, you find some odd humor on it. Like you yeah. go, I don't know, you go but to hey, stickdeath.com or go, go to Newgrounds, right? Go Love, say go to that. Newgrounds. 
Well, goats say that's a kink, by the way. The uh... the in size, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think the difference between that and what the internet nowadays is, is, is that there wasn't like a huge push to be like, well, like normalization's like such a Plato word, but I think like the difference is that there's much more of a like corporate commodity aspect to slotting people within different kinks and like selling them either through OnlyFans or whatnot and sort of like on one end taming them to the extent that they can be marketed to like a majority of people but on the other end um ignoring the absolute like more like deeper consequences on a psychological or I would even say metaphysical level to like certain practices right I think like the zoomer grows up in an internet that is in one sense much more corralled but in the other sense the things that were perceived as shocking is almost like tame and in a lot of ways sold bought and sold to you directly so i think that's like the difference between like being exposed to like, like lemon party when you're a kid and like you know i don't know it's where am i going with this love I had a friend actually who, uh, you remember when RuneScape was really popular, Lev? Did you sure, play RuneScape? Sure, sure. I never he, played uh, it. He, he set up a Meatspin um, mirror site, but he called it Rune. I still remember to this day, RuneScape.666.tk. And he would tell it, he would like write it down. And he'd say that there's like RuneScape cheat codes. So he's, he would give it to people. <laughs> This guy was a bastard. He went to juvie and everything. So um, yeah. shout out uh, to my boy Richard if you ever see this one day. Mm. So. I know. Well, I, I did want to get just like final thoughts uh, from uh, Steve regarding uh, that uh, th that statement. Again, we've. I think we're beating a dead horse already when we're talking about this. Like Steve, I don't know. Do you have uh, conversations like this uh, often? Like when it comes to people voicing concerns about this uh, commoditization of a lot of these things, this is something that gets uh, brought up uh, frequently. And again, you know, my position regarding this, like I don't really care what people do, but at the same time, I do want to have more of I don't know how to do it, more of some kind of a way for there to be I don't know more more pillars in the virtual community, I guess, people to look up to that can actually guide people towards not being uh how do i say this not having to constantly be thirsty you know not having to constantly rely upon getting their fix of certain whether it's pornography or whether it's anything else like i i want people to maximize the amount of satisfaction that they have and having to rely on external substances whether it's just like things that are done for you all the time like i said in the very beginning it minimizes that in my opinion so in general, the more pressure there is, I think, the more people can work, you know, from that pressure and build something great. Meanwhile, if you already have everything you need, why work? Why do anything? You know, why why live? So it's trying to find a balance between that while at the same time not forcing that. Because I know that there are a lot of people online who are very dissatisfied with the way things are. And they think that it makes sense to just have some kind of a dictator come in and, you know, enforce what is considered to be trad pill so that everybody act the right way and uh, then everybody's going to follow suit. I don't think oh, that's, that's ever going to... That's such gonna... a character, Love. You always bring that up. Like, because No, because that literally does happen. It did happen in history. We should have had Joel Davis on the stream. He would have said it straight. Next, next oh. time. Didn't next he time. ask? <laughs> yeah. I, no, he. someone asked him. him. 
Someone asked, and he's like, I'm not interested. I'm like, you Next bastard. time, next time, next time. Yeah. yeah. Joe Bang Pow Davis. Joel to the moon Davis. Anyway. <laughs> Bang Zoom too. <laughs> anyway, um, so before we get the super chats, I don't know, like, um, just final oh, thoughts. Oh, I wanted to ask one thing because I'm in – okay. We mentioned okay. about healthcare. Yes, yes. Um, Geo, meet me of fun- – <laughs> uh you bring monk robes yes i will bring monk robes um okay so in canada healthcare is like pretty like abysmal and shitty especially if you have a long-term thing like but in america how did it come about that healthcare is tied specifically to your employer because that seems like an odd like residue like a very destructive residue of like that protestant work ethic sort of thing like work becomes your life like how did that even happen in america isn't it like wouldn't it make more sense to tie it to each person so when you do find more like employment opportunities elsewhere but they don't you know what i mean like mm-hmm. i don't know this is a whole three-hour discussion in itself yeah. canadian well, american healthcare. We'll, we'll, we'll definitely have it next time around but in general steve just uh the first question because i i said too much the first question was is this a conversation that's often had uh, for you or is this something generally new just like any any thoughts you have on on the conversation so no matter what i always have to address this with my clients and my friends anyone who comes to me for dating help because the first thing i have to acknowledge is like do you hate forcibly unidimensionalizing yourself like shoving all of you everything you stand for into through like through a screen interface into an app that can then own your data do all their shit with it and hopefully algorithmically redu- like result-, result in something useful for you. Um, or can we also talk about what your offline strategy looks like? You know, how many people do you bring into your life? What are the kinds of human connection you're actually hurting for? Is it sexual touch? Is it just being able to talk to people and be excited about the things that you share? Is it going and doing things together and exploring the city that is maybe new to you? Um, so I think for me, it's always like, we as humans have the capacity to connect with one another and to have a completely enjoyable life. Like we, we have these skills that are endemic to us in our physiology. When we meet other people, we're capable of being kind to them. There's no nothing ever causing us to be actively unkind to someone else or to give them shit for no reason. It's a choice we make each time. Yeah. Um, so the next question is, can we use the internet to make your life a little bit better? And so... In the case of people looking for relationships, the answer is sometimes, yeah, sometimes it helps a lot, especially if you need to quickly narrow down, not waste time and see who is in my area, who might be interested in me, the person. If you get to the point where you are treating others' reaction to your two-dimensional persona on a dating app as something make or break for your own personal identity or self-confidence, then you're at a level where you've given over controls to your own happiness and well-being to an app and to sheer chaos and randomness and systemic market forces. So like I always tell people like it's critical that you maintain the ability to derive happiness from things that are inherently joyful and good. Uh, And most of those things will be found offline. It's like a shared meal with a friend or relative. It's going outside and just like staring at the dirt and waiting till something moves and then keep it watching that thing, follow some worms, see how they're doing, check out the squirrels, wherever you might find squirrels. I don't know if you have a yard, if you have, yeah, go to a park. I got some uh, some turkeys. I got some turkeys in the yard. You go outside, you'll see people living and engaging with one another. Like I think going outside is a big piece of this. And the challenge right now that we're seeing is that there's a younger generation that was in one sense in the last couple of years, not allowed to go outside. 
but also they, if you didn't develop your self-concept yet, like as an individual, someone without a screen-based interface governing your life, life gets a lot harder because, you know, you can throw away your phone and be like, well, that sucks. I can't really, <laughs> without Google Maps, I'm kind of shit getting around, but like, I can still engage with people around me. I can still talk to them. I can yeah. still order coffee somewhere. I can still probably get a job, hopefully. Uh, but if you're someone growing up as a teenager right now where you don't have that much time spent in like absent screens, I've seen one-year-olds holding a phone, like playing phone games, being addicted that early. And you have you know pernicious platforms like Facebook that are using things like Instagram to just forcibly send you down these spirals of either self-loathing or <laughs> loathing of others, um, loathing of your entire species. I, I just got yeah. recommended a group for voluntary human extinction on Facebook. I'm like, thanks, Facebook. Great. You're, you're really, oh, God. You're really helping of, out uh, here. That reminds me of the uh, Church of Euthanasia. I don't know if, uh, Gio, oh, you remember that. Oh, yeah. That was, um, that was Nina Paley, wasn't it? I think she was involved with that. Yeah, a bit. Nina Paley, great friend of the she show. She went on Springer. That... Yeah, but 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 anyway, uh, Steve, I think that the, those are uh, great points and very important things for us to consider. In fact, the comedian Tim Dillon was talking about how people do unite together over the things that they hate, you know, not so much over the things that they mm -hmm. like, you know, as, uh, uh, for example, like Geo, think of all the times that uh, on Twitter what's the juiciest content usually it's just like complaining oh, think, yeah, about I mean, yeah, yeah i do that every day yeah women so. posting their else you know it's like <laughs> people are shout out to james yeah shout oh. out to james so uh we are going to go into uh, super chats right now but in general i just want to say that uh I do want to, as fun as it is to hate things, you know, to find like, ooh, you know, like this, this person said this, and this person said that, and, you know, having this clash, I do appreciate when people are civil. I think that is the mark of a civilization, and it's important for me and BTR in general, I think, to strike a good balance between asking the questions that don't often get asked. And this is why, again, I'm going go, to hold you to it, uh, Steve. How often do people address any of this stuff at all in general, like when you speak with them? Is this something that gets often uh, talked about or no? If it's difficult to put a number to it, you could say like 50-50 or uh, I don't know. I just I need to qualify that this stuff because I do have people who say things like I hate putting myself onto two dimensions i hate writing bios like that i don't know if that's not i guess that's not what no you're no saying. no i'm i'm talking about more of this perception of this uh technological dystopia doom and gloom the self-censorship all this all this stuff is this stuff that gets discussed uh in the history of let's say the last several years of you speaking with people is this something that often gets uh, brought up uh, yeah, I think techno dystopia is 100%. Like, I speak at dating conferences where there's app builders and funders showing up to say, like, what's happening in this industry? Is it still profitable? What does growth look like? But also, like, we have people who focus on human centered design who show up and they'll be able to say, like, this is what it's doing to people's minds. This is what it's doing to people's confidence. This is what it's doing to their sex lives. And so, I think that the industry itself is able to recognize the harm that it creates. But it also is stuck in the you know capitalist institution or, uh, umbrella where you it, it's hard like the apps that there, there was an app that actually united people based on what they hated and yeah. i was really excited about it they had a blog post every week for like the top hated thing that people bonded over that week and they went out of business and so maybe maybe hating things is not enough maybe oh, i thought you meant twitter like, yeah that's the new <laughs> oh, one all right, um, it's Super Chats time, everybody. Oh, but can you yes. answer oh. my question? Do you guys know why healthcare is tied to your employer in the States? 
Probably racism. I guess that's the answer for everything. But uh, <laughs> I wonder, though, that is if it's anyone terrible. in the chat. It's, it's, the, it's the worst idea we've had. I think it was when they were trying to get uh, more people post-war to uh, follow stable career paths so they can have a job, get a house, oh, shit. and make babies. That- that makes, um, sense. that makes sense. And it was just an easier way of offloading responsibility from the now, government to individual yeah. employers. But I think that's god awful when you have 60 million people who don't have employers and are still in need of healthcare. Yeah, and we need yeah. to get out of that system. Pretty soon. They didn't yeah. factor in the need economy. The need. Uh, yeah, I, I am still. I, so. I I imagine that there could be solutions that can crop up from the bottom up. I am very concerned about any top-down solutions here because, again, there's not going to be any incentive, in my opinion at least, for people within the government to do anything good. Why? You know, it's like it, they're going to be just like any other industry, oh, but even less. Nowadays. Yeah, but even less beholden, which is, again, like to sum up, Steve, what I think the concern is, one part of it that hasn't been nudged on, I think, as much today I think the concern is that people don't want to live in the society, we live in the society, people don't want to live in the society where there's going to be an overabundance of people that are not going to have the capability to make uh, good decisions who are going to be beholden to a top-down governmental system that will feed them, clothe them, do everything for them. And that doesn't mean that there should be ruthless institutions that you know uh, wouldn't be able to pay people a decent living wage as well. But I always just want to err on the side of caution of any figure that comes out and says that, uh, you know, I am for the people, I'm going to help the people, 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 people. At the end of the day, I think most of these people are fucking grifters and they don't care about you. They don't care about any of us and they want to control us. And I don't want them controlling me or anybody here. So that was just that is just the thing that I wanted to get out of the way and now super chat time here we go we got a lot of super chats today guys oh, we default didn't see your final thought oh oh yeah final thoughts default friend go i mean look i think that it's easier than ever for uh, attractive people who don't let their attractiveness go to their head to date and everyone else is fucked oh <laughs> nuclear black pill <laughs> but i don't know i mean it's it's so hard to it's so hard oh. to generalize there we go. Uh, Here we are. Super chat time. That was well said, uh, uh, default friend. Okay. The ABC1234563999, uh, $10. Somebody timed me out for simping for chat, so I sneed. Thank you so much for the sneed. Thank you, uh, brother. Another one from the ABC, $5. How do I go from down tremendous to regular neutral? I don't know what that's referring to. Does anybody Down know? Down bad? That's like he, he's super horny. <laughs> ah, there we go. This is oh. this is the this is the stream for the horniest people. That's BTR on the this planet. Is where, on the planet. <laughs> horniest people on the planet. Subscribe right now, by the way. Why aren't you subscribing? The people who are watching this, the people who have come from default friend, I know you're out there and I know you did not subscribe yet. Go there, click on the subscription right now. I know you want to. I know you need to. I know you need to. Anyway, uh, <laughs> David Macram, $10. Oh. Boomer here. Boomer here. It seems to me people who grew up with their fantasies at their fingertips via the internet don't want find a human to have a relationship. I'm don't sorry. Love, just read it without the act, please. God. Okay. Please. Okay. Boomer here. It seems to me uh, people who grew up with their fantasies at their fingertips via the internet don't want to find a human to have a relationship with. They are looking for their fantasy partner. Thoughts? 
quick thoughts. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Totally true. Read Sherry Turkle. <laughs> I think like people like Wait, Turkle, isn't that the janitor from a uh, one who flew over the cuckoo's nest? Great movie. I, have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I think that people um speaking of Turkle, here's my turkey impression. Let's see if I can do it properly. Yeah. Oh god, let no, don't, don't, don't. Um uh, you still have that turkey from Tur the Turkey Tom stream, by the yeah, way? Yeah, it's somewhere in there. I gotta take uh, it out of the uh, box. I think that um people like men in particular when you like when you fall in love with a certain ideal of a person i think like that becomes like the image from which you pursue like it becomes a sort of like weird like personalized archetype and that can lead to like the throes of like rejection and disappointment um yeah like you in a sense you place whatever attribute into that you know um desired object but it's entirely like aesthetic and image based, you know. I want my like big titty goth GF whatever. Right? Mm. Next super chat, uh, um, the ABC once again two dollars. Geo, what do you think of Eric Bugenhagen de Buges? I haven't heard of him. I heard the NXT just signed him. Apparently, oh, he's based like a bunch of my mutuals on Twitter follow him. So I don't know. Like I don't like a lot of the jokey stuff though. Like I mean. WWE, like, apparently he did something with Shinsuke Nakamura, and, like, you know, WWE, they fucking ruined Nakamura. I hate it so bad, man. The King of Strong Style. He's fucking joke comedy act now, you know? All right, next yeah. is from the great, uh, the great uh, Tux Loves You, uh, who is also a member of our great Discord. $5 super chat. Sneed and then subsequently feed those super chats. Thank you so much for the Thank super you, chat. Brother. Lisa Bode. Lisa Bode, 199 euros. What's really a turnoff? A man, female can have at all. What? I don't know what that means. What? Does that, <laughs> what that means? Steve, do you know what that means? I don't know. Anyway. Uh, Read Rex, it again, love. Okay. What's really a turnoff? A man, female, can have at all. It's like the at symbol and all. What, what, what's going on here? Let's move on. Let's move on. I Come don't on. Even, I don't Rex know. Williams, $5 Patreon. Woo-hoo! We did it. Another Patreon, patreon.com slash break the rules. You know it, you love it, you want it, you need it, you sneed it. Become a Patreon today at patreon.com slash break the rules. I guarantee you're going to have a great time. This week we're going to do a, uh, is it this week? Yes, this week I'm going to plan on doing a Patreon only stream, only for your lucky patrons. It's going to be for you. So go ahead. We're going to have plenty of, plenty of perks, plenty of kinks plenty of things for you to get when you become a patron $20 gives you a beautiful wooden magnet which I don't have over here but trust me it's really good I want to show you something um this this over here this is the trophy that I got at the 2006 Ottawa Animation Festival for oh. my movie Piper the Goat and the Peace Pipe since we were packing I just uh, happened to have it right here so there we go this it is looks like a butt plug love Oh. <laughs> oh my god it does oh man good catch good catch <laughs> default friend anyway yeah but as you can see it's a little bit it's a little bit sharp over here so that's gonna it's not not great okay anyway next we have a uh, super chat speaking of kink kink is stink that is from opinion oh, discarded god. that is from so uh, steve Opinions gonna, discarded. I love that line. Yeah, are you gonna discard that opinion? Kink is stink. I mean, you can kink or not kink all you want. I don't. I don't care. That's 
Some oh, kings are of stink, though. <laughs> That's true. Like some people do. Like I mean, the fucking like there's the fucking brat people on online. It's like what what do you? Never mind. Yes. Just, oh, terrible. Anyway, terrible. anyway, we're almost done. Um, the ABC once again. The ABC. You are on fire today. Two dollars. If it ain't based, it's debased. I think it's similar, like <laughs> nice. King of Stink. Then we got final ten dollars. What ten dollars? That is amazing. Thank you so much. Opinion discarded. Here we go. Uh, the two hundred IQ crowd chanted in unison, "Wubble up a dub dub," uh, while beating their chest towards the co-working worker. I put my shirt over my head and let out the purest re to show my devotion to Rick. There we go. Oh, that's St a classic shit post right there. Steve, a uh, Rick and Morty fan. Absolutely. There we go. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, man. I mean, here we go. Here we go. This is this is it. This is the end of the stream. I want to thank... Well, okay. Final question, just out of curiosity. Steve, are you interested in uh, any spiritual stuff or uh, religion, spirituality? Where are you there? That may be too broad of a thing, uh, but it just... just curious like um no not not other than like dicking around on astrology based dating apps because sometimes they have more user engagement than traditional apps uh that's about the extent of which i go i'm generally pretty atheist in most mm. of what i do the reason why i ask is there is one uh there was one uh writer a lecturer whoever you want to call it that i recently got into who has i think a lot of practical things like beyond any of the woo stuff his name is rudolf steiner he was the guy who founded the waldorf schools that are still you know there's a lot of waldorf schools everywhere so if you're interested take a look at uh, his work he has a lot of lectures online and this is for everybody by the way very interesting dude rudolf steiner take a look at his stuff i was recently listening to his podcast so that's just as as a side for people who aren't even spiritual i think that there's a lot of great advice that steiner has anyway we are almost at the end final plugs so first we are going to go to steve dean steve thank you so much for coming in i really appreciate you uh spending time with us here on break the rules we always bring people together who may not like we're not gonna have like something like this happen otherwise you know like this is a rare and beautiful thing that we get to have this exchange of ideas and this is why i keep doing btr and i'm gonna keep doing it with your help uh so anyway follow steve dean on twitter uh, twitter.com slash Stephen M. Dean. There you go. You are the dean of your inner university, which is full of a lot of knowledge and insight, Steve, and I really appreciate all the knowledge of insight that you were able to disseminate to us today. Default friend, thank you so much for coming and for showing your face, not for the first time, but for the blurst time. Thank you so much. The best <laughs> of times. It was the blurst of times. <laughs> It was oh, the, the thousand monkeys, <laughs> Mr. Burns, yeah. Oh, I love those monkeys. So follow Catherine D, default friend on Twitter at default. Is that a hyphen? What is that thing? Yeah. <laughs> hyphen friend. Underscore. And underscore. Oh. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Uh, that, that's... What moral outrage. Giant fist king called you. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. Next oh, over God. here. Twitter.com slash Levpo. Follow oh, me. Oh, wait, no, you didn't plug it right. Hold on. You got to follow, go to Default Friend Substack. Oh, yes, 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 yes. And yes, I think on. there's a separate site now for After the Orgy because it used to be on your Substack, but now it's like. Separate. It was it was alienating all the 
Catholic priests who read my, mm. I swear to God, it's very, I don't, I have no idea what the hell is going on. Oh here. man. There well, you they, go. they have a lot of orgies in the Vatican. You remember that story about the Vatican bathhouse? Geo? They're in the 60s after Vatican II, there was rumors that the nunneries in particular, uh, never mind, I don't know. Okay, but here's the good the thing Apple... is that John Paul II cleaned everything up, so don't worry about it. We're Here's good. the After the Orgy on Apple Podcasts. Please follow After the Orgy. Please follow Default Friend Substack at defaultfriend.substack.com. And, uh, of course, by the way, I forgot to mention, if you want relationship coaching from Steve Dean, I am going to uh, link up to his website right now. Just give me a second over here. And, of course, uh, follow uh, Geo on Twitter, twitter.com slash Geo. Here we go. A there's giant... my link tree in the bio so you can find my Instagram, yes. my YouTube channel. I never plug my Instagram. Shit. I have to yeah. I have to engage. I have to like grind more on Instagram to tell you the truth. But you know. And and here we go. So date working is where you go. So uh, there is the Facebook page actually, Facebook.com slash date working for any of the boomers who are <laughs> Geo is my king. For any of the boomers who are on Facebook, there is an Instagram. <laughs> There is an Instagram page, and then there is the good old dateworking.com. That is where you go to. So here is the Instagram page, dateworking.com. Let me load that one up as well. Go there. Get to, get to know Steve. Steve's a great dude. I really appreciate him spending time here.